I'm Scott Weatherly. Welcome to 20th Century Geek. In the last episode, Mike and I discussed our time in the ring, our experiences in the squared circle as John Bull and Mad Mike, discussing the companies we'd worked for, the guys we'd worked with, uh, some of our anecdotes, some of the stories of how we got on, what we did, places we worked. Um, it was a real trip down memory lane uh, for the both of us. Uh, and now the conversation continues, and in this episode we are going to get deep into real 90s wrestling. Uh, some of the stars, the promotions, uh, some of the big events that went on uh, throughout that decade. So I hope you enjoy, and uh, I hope you stick out to the end because this is a long one. Um, but let's let's go back and start. So let's travel back to the early nineties. Where where were you in in nineteen ninety or around that era? Uh, late eighties, early nineties. Where were you? Um. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm trying to think. I did. I was in Chicago at some stage at that time, and I did work for. I did mm. a some work for Titan Sports, mm-hmm. which was mm. WWE at the time, um, as a kind of part of the the drama course that I was doing in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, in um, uh, Champaign, Chicago. Um, so I was doing some. Work, I was doing some work for them out there. And then I came back when SummerSlam came to England, which I think was ninety two. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. It was SummerSlam ninety two. I can so see the video. I, I can see the VHS case. Yes, in my head. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly the Silver Vision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was ninety two. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, as I, I, I was out there. So were you were you watching wrestling at the time? Were you were you? Ex- oh, I was I've been watching wrestling since WrestleMania one. I was oh really? Wrestling. Yeah. Well. Prior to that, I mean, World of mm. Sport, you know, I was watching Big Daddy join Haystacks, you mm. know, and, uh, uh, and when they came to, like, Ready Car Sports Centre in Merthyr Tidville, then I used to go there and watch them there, you know. And So you had exposure to the American product in the 80s? like in the, in Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was, I remember that I was stripping, helping strip a neighbour's wall uh, of wallpaper across the road, the Thomases, and they said, oh, there's a wrestling on tonight. Do you like wrestling? I said, I love wrestling. This is American wrestling. I hadn't seen American wrestling at that stage. I said, right, okay. And they said, yeah, it's called WrestleMania. I said, oh, cool, yeah, sounds good. He says, ask your mum, and you can come across and watch it with Andrew. So mm. I said, yeah, okay. So I went across the road and watched it with Andrew, and it was, of course, WrestleMania 1. Mm. 84? 84, 85, something like that. 84, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that age, <coughs> I, was, I was hooked. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, wow. Very different products, really... aren't they? Well, yeah, because, I mean, I was listening to, you know, one fall, and uh, was it three falls, a knockout, submission. Rounds. You know, three like, rounds. Proper yeah. rounds. But it wasn't like that. It was like, well, hang on, when are they going to ring the bell for the round? What's going to happen? You know, that's yeah. a disqualification. They're wearing bright colours. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's going yeah. on? They've got, they've got black people in the ring. It was, yeah. it was a very different product. It was a really, really strange kind of like uh, introduction into sort of like the different styles. But mm. I loved British wrestling. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I loved World of Sport. No, no, yeah, I love World of Sport. That was one, that was my first introduction. Mm. It was World of Sport. And then, uh, but then, yeah, and then I kind of became a fan. Got very lucky and fortunate to be able to do the stuff that I, I kind of did in my career. Not, mm. not wrestling, but my career, just mm. sort of like, you know, theatre and stuff. And then... Um, 
uh, met lots of people when I was in America. I mm. met lots of them, you know. I met I met Hogan. I met the Warrior. I met Owen Hart. I met Bret Hart and all these people, you know, and things. All these people are actually, you know, are considered legends today, you know. And I, and it, it, to me, it was just it didn't mean anything as much as what it should have meant because it was just in the moment. It never in does. In the moment, it never does, you know. So it was, and I think that was my main exposure to things. The world of thing, and then of course, then that it catapulted after Summer Sun mm. Night to a kind of catapulted <clears> into <throat> Monday Night War, mm, which we'll get into in yeah. a minute. And I think that's the, the, the for me, it was a bit of a different. I didn't really see it in the 80s, I mm. had to go back a lot of like the rest of a lot of the 80s stuff was, was I had to go back retrospectively and see it was probably. Well, to be fair, I started secondary school in 1993, okay, <laughs> it makes me Just, feel so old. I know. Um, but before I, but I remember quite vividly about it. Must have been nineteen ninety. I uh, I moved and sorry, nineteen ninety. I moved primary school. Right. And uh, when I left, uh, one of the lads. Uh, I was living on my own then. Yeah. I was like fifteen so, or so. So was I. Yeah. No, I <laughs> um, when I changed primary school, I remember when I, the day I left. I, I remember being quite upset about it because you're leaving with your friends. And I wasn't moving far. I was literally moving down the, down the road. It, it was mainly because I was thick and. <laughs> my parents thought I would be better off at a different school and they weren't wrong but when I left I remember a lad I was I was friends with really a lad called Doug Jones uh, came over to me to cheer me up gave me part of his collection of the, the WWF trading cards at the time oh, wow, okay. and I, but I was collecting them I remember it was one of those things that you know like need need got 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 need mm. that sort of thing trading off in the playground that sort of thing like, you know here's all, here's all my swaps and then I'd have the thing yeah yeah and he gave me, he just gave me, like, you know, you know, we're going to miss you and gave me these. It was almost like a going away present. It was really weird. But I can remember, there must have been like six of them. So it was about a pack's worth. But I remember being in there. There was Randy Savage, Big Boss Man, uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter, yeah. the Mountie. Oh, yeah. Mountie, Ray Rougeau. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan. Terry Bowler. Yeah. So there was there was these, these that's all I can really remember from this deck. But to me, I, I, that's all I knew them as, hmm. really. I knew of the thing i knew of wrestling and i'd probably seen snippets of it but to me they were basically like top trumps cards mm. that's 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 how they were to me was some brightly colored guy or a or you know a georgia prison guard or a mountie or an accountant <laughs> yeah, irs yes <laughs> you know these weird characters that were like just huge guys it wasn't until uh, probably the early 90s actually when Sky started to take off in, in the UK yeah, yeah. and they started to present WWF programming on Sky and I was able to watch it at a friend's house and that's when I really got exposure to it and I started watching and I was like what is this this is amazing mm. and it, it was just one of those things that like you say it just hooked me um, but it was it was in the early 90s I remember being like yeah really into and I went back. And what was people... your first? What was your first sort of like major pay per view that you watched? I've got a feeling it was. So, I have got a real feeling. The first one I saw on television, not on video, and it wasn't live because obviously the time difference. And I was like ten. Mm. Um, what was the Was it what was WrestleMania? It would have been the WrestleMania. No, it was nineteen ninety one WrestleMania. WrestleMania I, seven. Seven, mm. and I can't remember anything about it, but I just remember it was nineteen ninety one. It was that the WrestleMania. Was, uh, Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, 
that's the first my, one. My mind is terrible. Yeah. Why I remember shit like this. But I and I can't remember much. I really can't remember anything about it. But mm. I just know that that was it. And then after that, I remember sort of like I say for, the, for some reason, SummerSlam '92 really stands out in my head. I think I yeah. had it on video. That was Hogan Warrior against. That's why it stands out. Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I just remember it being a double VHS cassette box <laughs> when it came out and bits like that. I remember. Oh, okay, I don't remember that. It was an orange case. Yeah. And it had the SummerSlam logo and then like 92 on the bottom and there was the picture of the forum on the front I just remember it I just picture it in my head oh, okay. um, and then from there I just remember just like getting snippets of it and it's been on video and on Sky and I, there's, even now I can't remember whatever the TV show was um, whatever they called it at that time wrestling like a prime, 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 prime time wrestling, wrestling superstars wrestling was on as well that's it prime time wrestling was what it was that was one yeah. I watched I remember watching that and it's being like you know but the thing mm. was even then whilst I enjoyed the matches mm. I loved the promos and the skits mm. I loved the bits in between I loved the bits that made the matches important yeah um, and that was always what hooked me because basically it's a soap opera that results in a fight it's EastEnders in spandex that's yeah, what it is yeah which is what EastEnders will eventually become but no it was exactly and I was, I was just hooked I remember, but I, I went I Moved away from it just because of, of uh, having access to it, really. Mm. Um, but it was always in the back of my mind. I'd always, you know, it would be, and during the 90s as it, as it escalated, I'd, there would be bits going on. And then when it really kicked off, sort of like 90, late 97, 98, mm. um, that's when I got really back into it. And okay. Then, and then, and then. So you're thinking attitude era. Attitude era was like was was me being re was being dragged back into it. There are three there are three things like I say that three in my wrestling watching history that like have pulled me in. And I'd probably say like I say, early nineties, WrestleMania seven, seeing that and being like I've got to see more of this. Mm. Um, late nineties, and we're going to talk about it, well, when we go through the history of it. Was Pillman's got a gun? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Yep. And it was I just remember it being like on the news. Mm. It was on the news. They were like, "This has happened." Where basically they pulled the like the, the Americans were ob- were you know a bit up in arms about this, and the BBC were like, "Well, <laughs> we're all sort of like flustered about it that they were swearing in it." You know, there was all this violence, and there was a guy with a gun, and I was just like, "What?" Austin had a gun as well. No, no, he didn't. I watched it the other day. No, 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 just Brian Pillman. Oh, I it was, okay, and it is it is seriously one of the worst acted. Best segments. I've watched it back now. Yeah, yeah. But Pillman's yeah. got a gun. Pulled me in, and all of a sudden I was like, "Who? Who? Stone Cold Steve Austin? I'm, I'm in love. This is amazing." <laughs> yeah, this is good. And then um, I watched it, and I watched it, and again, like you sort of don't sort of fall away from it. But I was, it, you know, I think early two thousands, the invasion era. I sort of, yeah, I didn't stop watching it. But then the thing again, I probably watched, stopped watching it for a year, and then I in the twenty first century. Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy in the ladder match. Oh, right, yes, yeah. It was on a... 2001, Something like that. It was, a, it was on a Raw. It, it was. Raw, it was a Raw yeah, match. Yeah, it was on Raw. It was, um, it was uh, Ruthless Aggression. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, Taker as the American badass. Yes. And um, it was, I'll make you famous. It was when he was yeah. doing that thing, I'll fight me and I'll make you famous. And Jeff Hardy came out and they had a ladder match and Jeff Hardy would not lie down. Mm. And I remember like my heart was in my mouth. A great match. Oh, even great now. Match. I went back and watched it again. Mm. 
so good. It's so good. Let's take us on the mic and stay down. Yeah, and he's like begging him, like, stay down. And Jeff Hardy keeps getting up. At the end of it, like, he beats him and then he, he gets him up and stuff. And I was just like. Gives him a few jackknives, doesn't he? Oh, he fucking hammers him. The last rides. A few yeah, last rides. He batters him. He batters him, but amazing. And then I was hooked again and that was it. And I was, I was off to the races again. Um, mm. But that's a 10 year period, right? So I'd, let's say 2001, I think, is um, the ladder match. Take okay. it, take it. I think it's I'm, I'm sure that. it's around yeah, summer. It's, I think it's, it's summer 2001. Like it was just after the invasion. WWE, WCW, ECW invasion. And WrestleMania 2000 was the four-way four way main event. Yeah. 2001 seven, is WrestleMania 17. Mm. Mm. Which was Austin the Rock. Um, yeah. uh, oh, and number 16 was Austin Rock as well. Yes, but that was like the... 17 was that stupid big show... Yeah, and Floyd Mayweather. No, that was much later. That was nineteen. I oh, know it was that. Um, was it later than that? Actually, was, wasn't it that that player that it was Bam Bam Bigelow versus that? Oh, no, I'm thinking. I WrestleMania think seventeen so, is yeah. WrestleMania seventeen is definitely um, X seven was mm. is definitely on the on the cover. It was Rock Austin was the main event. Uh, but um, other thing in two thousand one, mm. just jumping all over the place. Two thousand one. Which we shouldn't be because it's 20th century geek. Um, Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle at King of the Ring. Oh, it was awesome. That was awesome. He suplexes him through the. He tries to suplex him through Three the times. Titantron. Yeah. Doesn't break. So he just grabs him and puts him head thrust with the glass. Man, that, that was a brutal match. Shane was just awesome. Yeah. And well, so was Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is was, was, Oh, Kurt. You know, it just. You know, that guy. To me, that guy made wrestling yeah. fun again, you know, and made it. It made, he, it made he, it look like a legitimate wrestling match. He had you know, a level of people like him, Eddie, Benoit. Yeah, the new know, radicals. Yeah, they they were they were proper wrestlers. Jericho. Yes, oh, I love Jericho. Even to this day, I love Jericho. Yeah, totally and totally. Yeah. But this is what we're saying. I have a story okay. about Jericho, don't I? Yes. I've seen quite a lot of Jericho. Yes, you have. But we'll yeah. save that for another, for another podcast. Time. Yeah. When we do a heavy metal podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's go back to the two thousands. Oh, sorry, the early nineties. So the early nineties, there was st- the. the the product so Warriors, Warriors just left. Warriors left. Yeah, because he, he he wins the title ninety one. Yeah, drops in ninety in January ninety two in the Rumble against uh, against Slaughter. But the product is still very much as it would have been in the eighties. It's like it's still brightly coloured. Yeah, they pretty family friendly. Mm. It's it's pretty straightforward, and I still remember it being very sort of like you know. Um, Neon, Blant. yeah, yeah. If I was to go, if I go back and watch it now, the story it's, it's, elements. It's very, very good guy, bad guy. It's very it's, clear, it's cut, very much, very know, morally it's, clear it's... cut. And the matches, I mean, the matches stand up. Don't get me wrong. There's some matches that really do stand up. If you ever go back and watch, to the eighties, even if you go back and watch any like Steamboat match or Randy Savage or anyone like that, they, those matches are really oh, yeah, totally. stand up to the test of time. But the storylines do not. What was getting me hooked in ninety one when I was ten? You mm. go back and watch it now. Some of it is awful, mm. and I think that was the thing. Like it was, it was aimed at kids. It was very fluffy and very sort of, you know, over the top and very dramatic. Um, wrestling became, although I was still enjoying it as a kid, by like ninety two, ninety three, wrestling was becoming really like uncool. Yeah, yeah. You had, you had the dog, the clowns, the yokozuna. It was still you know, really was heavily all, gimmicked. It was all little. Yeah, Duke, Duke the dumpster tree or so. It was really gimmicky, gimmicky, like over the top gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and the nineties, even the early nineties, like there's a, there's a big change, and I, I I think part of it is down to like the end of the Cold War, oh, and these other things. Because yeah. you get things like when the grunge music scene has started to grow. So, you know, kids that were sort of like inter- probably interested in the 80s were now into sort of like grunge and it was all about being depressed and, mm. you know, um, all that kind of thing in the music. But above everything else, like, the wrestling hadn't moved with the times, really, had it? And the times had changed. I mean, like you say, you get a, a, in America in particular, over here, we were sort of always grim and gritty. That was just sort of the way Britain was. Mm. And it sold over here because it was it was something different but in the states it, it's really passe when you look at it now you're like oh, i can see why it was beginning to fall behind the times i mean mm. you know in the early 90s heavy metal was really booming as well like metallica's black album takes off in the early 90s the the culture was really moving um and i think i personally think wwf wwf 91 92 was suffering from what the wwe is suffering from now mm as just this sort of like bland level of creativity because there was nothing to compete against. Yeah. I think I think yeah, I mean and, and there was a lot of promotions that around at that time that were doing the same same stuff. But no, no well they were you guys remember in the ni- early 90s WF was still a monopoly. It was a pretty much monopoly. Yeah. There was there was still local promotions and a couple of like the you know the NWA was still doing stuff in the states. Jim Crockett Promotions was the second largest promotion in America. You had ECW as well, which was well ECW. No, no, East Coast Wrestling mm. still didn't only had a minor TV TV exposure. Did not have national TV exposure. Okay. WWF was the only one that had national TV exposure in mm. in in. 1990 to 1991. So you think it was a it was a case of uh, if it's not pro- if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. Exactly. I really feel that was it. Like Vince was very in that mindset of like, well, we're at the top. Why should I change anything? Mm. And I'm almost convinced that if they if we hadn't have had the conflict, I think I think you'd have seen the death of WWF mm. like before the end of the century. I think they'd have. There was there was times so times during the Monday Night Wars. Then if you look in the documentary about that, then he mm. said. That they came very close to folding. The oh, really financially, they yeah. were struggling. I mean, but I mean, during the research, and I'm, I'm going to do uh, like a, an essay show on on this. But t- t- uh, Vince McMahon had pissed off Ted Turner mm. over some TV scheduling stuff, and he'd also pissed off Jim Crockett because he'd bought out all the promotions, and Jim Crockett was trying to compete but mm. couldn't. And Jim Crockett basically had to declare bankruptcy in '89 and sell off the the. JCP, the Jim Crocker Promotions, and Ted Turner was more than willing to buy it. And he bought it for a pretty handsome sum. I think it was a couple of mil. In, 19, in 1990, he bought it. a damn sight more than that in the long run, but still, yeah. Well, the shocking thing is, when, at the end of all this, and we'll maybe get to the end of it later, but when, we got to the, when you get to the end of all this, the other end of this is when WCW folds mm. and, uh, and uh, WWE eventually buy it in 2001, they bought it. Now, this is they buy over a decade's worth of, of video, the yeah, matches, the, library, yeah, the whole library, right? They buy... Uh, contracts of the people contracts, they want. Yeah, 25 select contracts, so they could choose the 25 contracts they wanted, um, and also creative rights to certain things. 
with the WCW brands and also the stuff. Also as well, was one other thing is the fact of like the, the contracts they didn't buy as part of the takeover still had to be paid out by Turner. Yes, which is amazing. I didn't even know that. But there yeah, was yeah. Hogan was being paid by AOL for like Turner Industries until like 2006. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. ludicrous. So Ted Turner paid a couple of mil for um, JCP in, yep. in, in 1990. How much do you think Vince paid for WCW? It was around about 80,000, something like that. Was, was it was it? 3 million. Three million. Three million. Wow. The price stayed about the same. <laughs> wow. I didn't know it was as much as that. I thought it was around about. In the, in the... Put put this into context. Put this. Right, and this is say ten years later. All right, and so even ranging for inflation, but so this is a promotion that has struggled and failed, but you've still got an absolute wealth of cracking material in there. Mm. Like, I'm not going to oh, downplay yeah, yeah. what WCW a lot, did. A lot of good marketing stuff there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Think about this from another. So another, there's another brand which um, suffered from some bad uh, brand exposure and was then sold off. Mm. Star Wars. Mm. So Star Wars is a massive thing, right? Just the film side I've of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of it. No. Don't like it, do you? Not a sci-fi no. person. Uh, but then obviously they did the re- they did the prequels and it was all there was a tarnished thing there, right? Ah, uh, the prequels. So we don't we don't pretend, we don't, we, we pretend yeah, they right? didn't exist. But you've still got a tarnished brand yep. that they wanted to sell off, yep. right? And despite all the marketing that goes with it, that went for four billion. Disney paid four billion. Wow. For Lucasfilm, Vince paid three million for WCW. <laughs> Uncle George. That me, yeah, that to me is ludicrous. Mm. But the reason they get there is because. I mean, Ted Turner bought JCP just to try and put Vince out of business. That was his sole... The reason he bought it, he bought it and was like, right, I'm going to hand this off to someone. Well, he had much more money than Vince as well. That's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was could like, throw countless amounts of money yeah. into it. And the thing is, he did. He, well, he didn't. This is the thing. This is what I found out. I didn't realise. He basically hired in Bischoff and said, go put Vince out of business. That's, that's a very general term. Mm. And it was almost like... Just do it. You know what you're doing. You do it. So he had the keys to the kingdom. And he, he just... Went but Turner thing. still funded it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He was basically sort of like, here's my checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Go put Vince out of business. Um, and I think... Which, is why, which is why WCW was able to draw so many people there, because the money was good. The schedule was shorter. It was. You know, and they yeah. got offered creative control. Oh, totally. I mean, people like Piper... Yeah. Kurt Henning, Luger, you know, all these people that sort of like were lured back from. Well, even like you say, like, well, the, the early ones like Hogan, Savage, you know, yeah, they, they yeah, went yeah. straight away. Yeah, and, and Nash. Nash. The thing was, though, so when you look at. So were you a WWF or WCW in the 90s? D- uh, well, I watched I watched them both, but WWF all the way. I've always uh, yeah. been loyal to WWF. Yeah. I had minimal knowledge and exposure to WCW, I think. But. Mm. Doing this and going back and watching some of the matches, and I watched a couple of pay per views and that sort of thing. And there's a couple of guys now I don't really know, you know. And there's a couple of guys that go on to become bigger and better things, um, you know. Some stunning, <laughs> some uh, you know. So it, it was. It's an interesting thing. But the more I watched it and the more I read about this, um, uh, and I don't know what you think about this, but WCW you know basically sealed its own death warrant mm. the moment they started uh buying up the big big talent from wwf okay 
So the thing I see is, and again, I feel this happened a little bit with the WWF a little bit, was it almost it forced Vince's hand in the end. But when Bischoff was forking out all this cash, all he was really doing was saying, you can work for us because you'll bring the fans with us. That was the expectation. You'll bring the fans with you. And they did, right? But these are still guys that even in that point were probably in their late 30s, early 40s. And he's saying, yeah, you've got a multi-million dollar contract for the next 10 years. Well, they're not going to be working for the next 10 years. So no. basically, you are you are basically building a reliance on a brand that is not going to live as long as you're paying it. Like, even then... And that's when Vince started trademark, trademarking all his names and yeah. owning things. Because, I mean, WCW's appeal mm. was the fact that people tuned in to see who was going to turn up next. Yes. That, and that's what it means. So yeah. that was where the shock value came from, WCW. So really, doing that, Vince... And I can't. I'm not going to just credit Vince, mm. but so let's say WWF had to react, and in reacting, they had to rely on younger, less tested guys. Mm. And it was. I think they just they struck gold with some of their workers that they didn't have. Um, so there are guys, and I'm going to be honest. Like, so, right, so if you there are there are several cases. Mick Foley. Was Cactus Jack? Well, Steve, he wasn't Cactus Jack, though, was he? He was. Well, he was in um, in WCW. In yeah, I mean, I thought you were thinking about when he came. No, to No, no, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. When, oh, when, right. in, when in WCW, yeah, Mick Foley, Steve yeah. Austin, stunning Steve Austin. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. Actually, Dustin Reynolds. Yeah, there you go. The one, yeah, mm. uh, and Jericho to an extent as well. And oh, Jericho was yeah. yeah very underused. Well, Jericho was great in WCW as well. As, he was you know, the Lionheart and that thing. Yeah, but. The point is, they all three of them, mm. fuse those, all those four of those, hit a ceiling. Eddie. Yeah, all these. Yeah, all these guys hit a ceiling that was put in place by former WWF workers that were being paid millions and had been given a certain level of creative control. So, I mean, by the late nineties, you were never ever going to get past the NWO mm. unless you were part of the NWO. So you were never going to beat Hall, Nash, Hogan. Um, and whoever the hell else was in it, everyone by the end, yeah, it, wasn't it? it was just but ridiculous. The, so, so Vince had no other choice but to actually turn to these guys and go, "Do you know what? You're never going to get any higher than this in mm. the WCW." So I'll tell you what: I'm not going to pay you as much, but I'm going to give you a chance to work more and have be more creatively um, open. Do mm. what you want. Be yourself. And granted, you know, well, no, and that's what they had to do. And that's why I think you get, in the late 90s, you get Stone Cold Steve Austin. You get Mankind in the form that worked for Mick Foley. Mm. You get, eventually you get the real Jericho, you know, and then you get the new Radicals when they come across. And apart from Perry Saturn having to love a mop. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> um, you get, you me, get, Mark, you, Undertaker. You get, me, Mark Carlos. Exactly. You know, 91, he came across the uh, to. Yeah, um, WWE. The, but all that, that creative freedom. I mean, don't you think about this? But the, all that all that creative freedom they get that they gave them mm. to do these things is what eventually allowed WWE to win. The WWF to win. But I, I, I see. I disagree with you on the fact that they were given creative freedom in WWE because they weren't. They were. They were given. They. They found. They found their niche, didn't they? They found. Mm -hmm. They found their. Uh, their. Their. their uh, they thought, right, this is the demographic we're going to go to. 
And then you've got people like Vince Russo then. Who I'll definitely give credit to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he and he wrote some really good shit. Mm. There was some stuff that, he, that was written, I'm not sure by Russo, but certainly by in the Russo era, that was like like the Katie Vick angle. And it was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. he's just kind of go, what the oh, hell? Katie you know? Vick, no, that wasn't... That was later. That's no, no, post- Russo was still there then. Was he? Russo was oh, still there then. Because Russo, Russo always gets tarred with the brush of saying, you know, he was a kid, but he wasn't part of that. He was. Oh. It's, it's not even my. It wasn't even my writing, dude. So you know, and that's what he said. If anyone, just if anyone's listening, Google get Katie. Go- Vick. Google Katie Vick Big Show. No, it was Kane. Oh, Kane. It was Kane. Kane. Yeah, yeah. Google Kane, Katie Vick, and yeah. you will see some really uncomfortable. Awkward watching. It's 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 yeah. On Big Show's dad's funeral. Do you remember that one? Oh my word, that was well. Let's just but but, all right before all those because those come a little bit later. We're talking about like Mark Henry and was it May 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 Young giving birth to a hand? (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) That went nowhere. Like I remember that happening and then going, "What's that all about?" Don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) We've realised it doesn't work, so we've dropped it. But you got DX. You got exactly. The, you got DX, you know, and they, I think that's the birth of the Attitude Era, isn't it? Well, this is a good point, actually. So what would you say was the birth of the Attitude Era? Where, where do you see it starting? What what kicks off the Attitude Era for WWE mm. or WWF? See, it's difficult to either DX or Stone Cold, really. Those two are quite... Yeah. Because, I mean... Because you've got Stone Cold going with beating the crap out of Jake the Snake and being born at King of the Ring. So that that was 96. When he was pouring alcohol down his throat and stuff like that. And yeah, DX isn't until late '97. I think start. I think Stone Cold. Again, oh, don't cross the boss. Yeah, no, I think the start of the Attitude Era was the the Vince McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin angle, because that started before DX. It started just before DX. That was yeah. D, that was that was in '97. Yeah. And the don't cross the boss thing was the result of the Montreal screw job. That was in '97, Montreal Screwjob, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, like October, November time, Survivor Series. Yeah, Survivor 97. Series '97, but but I'm sure the Austin McMahon thing happened before. That. Only, no, uh, it must have. It must have because you've got Austin versus Bret Hart. Yeah, thirteen at, uh, at, uh, at Mania, which is Mania thirteen, which is that year '97. '97. Yeah. So it's started building, but like yeah, but Vince didn't come out as. Like the owner and the the, the, oh, no, the Vince it, the baddie heel until after the Montreal Screwjob, did he? So just, to, just let's just let's just because mm. we're talking about terms here. Though, I'm assuming some listeners will understand some of it. The Montreal Screwjob, just to give a quick high tech uh, overview, is Bret Hart uh, had been loyal to WWF for many 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 years uh, and a great worker, someone I actually really mm. enjoy working. A little bland to be fair, but still a really good technical worker. Yeah. Um, but was offered more money and more creative control at WCW and had, had, had run to the end of his contract with WWF. And had said, I'm not going to break the contract like some of the other guys have done. I will work out my contract and then, I, then I'm going to WCW and wanted to leave quite amicably. Yeah. And that involved, he said, I will hold the title and I will, but I will drop the title and give it to you for you to do a, yeah, a he tournament. Didn't want, he didn't want to drop the title he in didn't his want, own country. He, did yeah, he? he said he didn't want to lose it. He didn't want to lose he the title. The next night on yeah, Raw, yeah. if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, and I'll and I'll you know then I'll hand it off to someone on my last Raw. Vince, to his face, agreed this, mm. and then behind his back arranged for something else to happen. So at Survivor Series, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Michaels uh, the match goes on, and Shawn Michaels gets Bret Hart into a sharpshooter, which is one of Bret Hart's own moves. Vince runs out 
or is already out and he's runs already out, out yeah. and 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 um, directs um, referee Earl Hebner to 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 count the match. Mm. Um, one, two, three, and and then hands the belt to to Michaels, who was like hugely over at the time, um, and then that's it. And that night, apparently, Brett backstage punched Vince in the face. Don't blame him. To be perfectly honest, I don't. There's a lot around this. I don't. I don't. There's mm. a lot of people who have different stories, and I think like you know, Sean Michaels is like I. I didn't know. I was just told to do something. Mm. I did it for the boss. That sort of thing. It's interesting on Beyond the Match, isn't it? When you mm. watch Beyond the Match thing, or how that all unfolds. Yeah, and I do feel for him, Sean Michaels, at the time. I think he was put in a really difficult position. Um, oh, of, I don't know. Uh, he's, he was a very different Shawn Michaels. He was. Then. That's true. I would agree with you that. Know. Yeah, he was a very egotistical, very young sort of person. But it happened. And uh, after that, we get the uh, the Brett screwed Brett. Yeah. Interview. And Vince McMahon becomes the biggest heel in the business. But he, and this is my this is my point about Overnight. the whole thing. Overnight. But in, in some some people would have tried to brush it under the carpet and like ignored it. No, no, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Hmm. And this is the credit I will give to Vince. Because he's not stupid, we could use this. Mm. Let's go with this. I will become, I will become the boss, Vince McMahon, and it it, it builds the character like the swagger. Because DX the... has already come out by this stage. Because on the next night on Raw after Screw Job, DX introduces Brett the Hitman uh, Hart. But they're not called. But they're not called. This was the weird thing. I didn't realize they weren't called DX until a little bit after this. But they were together. No, 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 they were. They were called DX before this. Because Are you sure? They, yeah, because it was against the, they were the, the Canadian Stampede. Oh, okay. The Canadian Stampede because they had they had an in your house called DX. Oh, okay. Yes. I thought it was slightly after that. No, okay. No, no, no. There was a, there was a thing called DX. They feuded with yeah. with um, you know Bulldog and Hitman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Owen and and, and so so for me they had Canadian Stampede. Oh, okay. Come prior to that. So with that in mind, what yeah. So the Canadian, so the the, the Montreal screw job. Do you are you saying that you feel that? Was the real kickoff to the? No, I th- I don't know. I I think the introduction of DX was was certainly that was Attitude Era. Yeah. I think Stone Cold, Jake Snake. It's it's hard. I think DX. It's a blur. I mm. don't think this is a clear cut thing. Like like all things in history, it's not a moment. It's not a light switch. The moment happens. And I can't remember when though. When Vince McMahon goes on television. And says, uh, it has been said that anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWF extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of good guys versus bad guys. Surely the era of the superhero who urged you to say your prayers and take your vitamins is definitely passe. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign that is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. However, 
Due to the live nature of Raw and the war zone, we encourage some degree of parental discretion as it relates to the younger audience allowed to stay up late. Other WWF programs on USA, such as Saturday Morning Livewire and Sunday Morning Superstars, where there's a 40% increase in the younger audience, obviously, however, need no such discretion. We are responsible television producers who work hard to bring you this outrageous, wacky, wonderful world known as the WWF. Through some 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been an entertainment mainstay here in North America and all over the world. One of the reasons for that longevity is as the times have changed, so have we. That's the first acknowledgement, because yeah. that's when they actually called it... The Attitude, Attitude Era. Era. That's when they started using the branding. The Attitude it, Era. Yeah, 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 that's when they started using the branding. But I think the change in booking and the change in style, I think yeah, it comes a lot earlier than that. I think even as far as early as like mid-96, Yeah. I think Austin being able to do his thing, because like I say, King of the Ring... Well, extending the middle finger. Yeah, you know, that the was whole May. Austin character. Is, that, is that May 96, like King of the Ring? Around May time. Uh, you know, early late spring, early summer, ninety six. You've got, you know, he basically coins Austin three sixteen. Mm. July is Pillman's got a gun. Yeah, and then you're off to the races, really, because that's when you get. Yeah, I think that's attitude era. Though, yeah, because so that's when you get like that was it the nation of so uh, Rory's War. Rory's War was ninety five. They started calling it. Rory's see, yes, War. is the thing. Is when does it start? Though? It's it's a drip feed. It builds and builds and builds. Because then, mm. like ninety six, ninety seven, that's when you get like the nation of uh, nation of domination. domination. <laughs> we see, are the, the nation. Yeah, which is like you know Farouk the and rock. the Rock and the Rock when he is the Rock, he's D'Lo Brown. D'Lo D'Lo Brown. He's a love D'Lo Brown. Godfather. Yeah. It's cool, Mama Mustafa. Um. So you had like there was either the things, and you had um. When did when did Mick Foley join? As mankind. Well, he was. Uh, he came ninety four, I believe. Over to WWF as mankind. Okay, and he, but 95, he was five. D- he was doing the boiler room blow. Yeah, might find like six and like that. And that's when he because he started to change around that. And that's the thing. Like he when he started stopped wearing the brown, and started wearing the the shirt and the tie and that sort of thing is again a bit of a. Well, it was the Mr. Socko era. Well, Socko came... Yeah, was... I didn't realise that Socko... I found, I found, when, do, when do you think Socko was introduced? What's Socko's Socko, first appearance? 90, 90... Oh, God. So you're testing my McFoley. I am. Bastard. Um, Socko was... 95. I, I, I can't tell you the year, but I can tell you the, sec, I can tell you the segment. No, so it's later yeah. than 95... Sure it's during it's during the Vince 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 was in hospital. It's during yeah. it's during the Vince and Stone Cold. Hey, Vinny, how you doing? Yeah, he comes in and he brings so it's ninety seven, I think it is. Ninety seven. <laughs> and, and Stone Al Snow's Al Snow's idea. Yes, yes. Um so that was ninety seven when Soccer was introduced. I, I love that section. That segment, that's that little thing that is mm. uh, when he's trying to cheer him up and he brings out the balloons, he brings in the clown. Um yeah, and then yeah. there's is um um <laughs> There's a there's a doctor stood in the background in scrubs, and uh, he's like, "I'll I'll deal with him, nurse." Yeah. It turns around, it's Stone Cold. Oh, it's, it was some, yeah, the <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking like all right, we're talking a lot of WWF, which shows I think our love for WWF yeah, yeah. attitude. Yeah, but totally. to me, Stone Cold was like was the boss. I mean, everything he did, uh, from uh, riding a zamboni to the ring. Oh, the beer truck. Yeah, yeah. Um, throw in the Rock's championship into the to the river. Um, well, the Rock and the, the Rock and, and Stone Cold were the were the headliners. Yes, I mean there's don't you ways about it. As much as you can say about unfortunately about mankind, mankind was was 
semi-main event. He was never conventional enough to be main event. No, but he was amazing. His he was. Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Someone come in and beat The Undertaker. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. The saying of these things, of like these things that happen. The first Hell in the Cell match, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah, blood, uh, uh, Bad Blood. Yeah, which is a, is a great match, but then it ends with Kane, because they've been teasing... Uh, Undertaker, Paul Bearer. Yeah. Oh yes, been oh, com- my Undertaker. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah, he's a love Paul Bearer. Um, Percy Pringle. Yeah, God rest his soul. One mm. of the amazing. But um, he was teasing for ages, wasn't he? And then eventually, yeah. like, it went red and like this huge monster walks out and rips the door off the hell Dr. in a cell. Doctor Isaac Yankum. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because he was a dentist. He was a dentist. <laughs> and he was fake Diesel. Yes, he, he was, was fake Diesel. Yeah. Dr. Isaac Yankum. Um, but, um, yeah, the introduction of Kane. So that, that's another like, standout moment to me. That, that I, I didn't, I don't remember, I remember not watching it at the time, but even going back and watching it, you're like, that was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's sort of, there was so much, so much going on in the WF that I, I can't believe it was losing out in the ratings war. Like, mm. for two years, pretty much two years straight, WCW was winning. So I was like, okay, when I was researching this, I was like, okay, I've got to go back and see why. Mm-hmm. Now, is it that, is it, and this could be the question, is it because I have an affinity for all of the WF characters that I, when I actually went back and watched the WCW stuff, uh, yeah, WCW stuff, we'll cut this now. When I went back and watched the WCW stuff, I was a bit like, it's all right, mm. but there was nothing that was blowing me away. Okay. Mm. Even the NWO stuff was like, just a little flat to me. I see there was there were standout matches in WCW for me. Mm. There were there was stuff like um Chris Jericho versus Team Malenko. Mm. You know, man of a thousand and one holes. Okay. So then Chris Jericho comes out and says, Well, you know, you might be the man of a thousand and one holes, but I'm the man of a thousand and two holes. And he gets his list out and he's going, Right, number one, <laughs> armbar. <laughs> number two, headlock. <laughs> Number three, and then it cuts the commercial. And it comes back, and he goes, and it comes back to him. And he's got number seven hundred and forty-eight, you know, and stuff. And I, and, and they matches together was brilliant. And then you know, um, the, the, he brought in the the cruiserweights, of course, into WCW. Mm. And I think Rey Mysterio and Eddie and and Jericho and Malenko, them guys for me are the most. When I think about WCW, I think of them, and I think of the cruiserweight division there because it was the best division. I've ever seen. They were doing stuff that I'd never seen before in any other promotion. You know. And I watched Japan as well. I watched some, mm. some Japan I've stuff. Ne- I'd never watched Japan until like the last sort of like seven or eight years. I've never really watched in Japan. Before. I watched Japan because I heard about this guy called um, Cactus Jack. And yeah, yeah. you have to watch Cactus Jack. And there's a Leatherface and there's a Freddy Krueger as well. Yeah. And I said, watch it. There's a Leatherface out there. And he's got like a chainsaw and a leather mask and everything. I said, well, I can text a chainsaw. Uh. Yeah, you must watch it. And someone lent me a tape. And I was like, hey, all right, they're watching. And I thought, it's crazy. And then Mick Foley came on and Terry Funk. And I was like, oh, these guys are amazing. I want to be like them. <laughs> Uh, and that's what I fell in love with, uh, Foley. Nick Foley, just a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the WCW, the only matches I can think of that stand out as being memorable are them mm. matches. And I mean, you know, they make a star then out of someone like Goldberg. And no disrespect to Goldberg, you know, I think what he's done is, is you know, and he'll always Anyone be, could be do legend. I, yeah, well, he, but he was the right man at the right time. You yeah, know. but for Goldberg, I mean, yeah, but he was, I think... Go- I was never a Goldberg fan. No, Goldberg's pure product. Oh, totally, 100%. But I mean, it's it's... 
when WCW were pushing that, they were pushing product. They weren't pushing talent. They were pushing product. Yes, and that's you know. that's what I mean by the difference. That's what I'm trying to mm. say. For me, when I watched it, when I watched it, it was WCW was pure product. Like the whole NWO thing was just over my head. Like I was just not interested. Oh, but, no, but, no, I've, but got, I've got to disagree with you though. Mm. The 1994 it was, wasn't it? It was the Bash of the Beach. It was it 94, 95? Mm, 94. 94. Well, okay. That angle was probably one of the most wow, shocking moments in wrestling history. Okay? Like it or not. Are you talking about NW, the, the instruction of NWO? Yeah. No, that's uh, NWO is... When was the click? The curtain call was 95. 95. So 95, okay. So Bash 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 Wrestling fans, and and that's the thing is that you know that wrestling fans in America take it so seriously as well. Yeah, you know, and and that moment was was WCW gold. And I think you have to maybe you're people right. tuned in to find out what was going on from I, then on in. I think you're right. You have to have been there in the moment. Oh yeah, living in the moment, you would have said, "My God, I can't believe this has happened." Yeah, it's like Undertaker. The real American, the real American, has become yeah the baddie. It, it's yeah. the same. It's it's the same moment as encapsulated with with. Lesnar beating Taker for the streak. Yes. Yeah, it was that moment where everyone just went, that, that didn't just happen. Even Well, even Taker was like, that didn't just happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But, then, yeah, 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 but prior yeah. to that, it was it was exactly like that. Yes. And that's it was, true. And, Very true. Okay. And that's what propelled, that's what took WCW from one level yeah. to the next level, was that one pay-per-view made WCW. Yeah. And then they rode off the coattails of oh, that first so, Yeah, but I mean, people... people People tuned in to WCW to find out what was going to happen next. What well, you know, these people are out of control. You know, and they mm. ruled to themselves. People actually genuinely thought because they would call them the outsiders. They genuinely yeah, yeah, thought yeah. they were still under contract of Vince McMahon. They came yeah. and did an invasion angle. Yeah, and Bischoff worked there. He said, "Well, mm. if you want to believe that, let's work, run with it. Yeah, let's yeah, run yeah. with it." And then they kept then to to fuel that. They employed people who are ex WWE to come in and work alongside the NWO. <laughs> And th- like, that, like, that. like um, Virgil. Yeah. <laughs> there were some good hires. There were some bad hires, let's be honest. And there but, was yeah. Rick Root turning up on, yes. on taped Raw and then live. I was going to say, on the same... WCW yeah. on the same night. So, yes, I get that. I, and being in the moment, I can see why it worked. Yeah. But my point being is, it works in the moment. But for me, and again, see what you think, when I go back and watch Attitude Era, and uh, let's say from 95 to 2000, mm. WWF, whether I watch a match or a vignette or a promo or whatever, there's an intensity and a, um, I don't know, like you said, they're pushing talent, that there's a talent there where you, you can tell that they've been told, go out and do this, but you make it up as you go along. Hence, we get things like Austin 316 and, you know, that I can still watch. Mm. I can watch it now and go, that's good, that is, and I love it, and it still entertains me. But when I watch the WCW stuff, there's a... I almost want to say like a, a plasticky sheen to it that hasn't aged, where you do feel like it's product. Now, I will say there's a distinction. I will I will testify that the Cruiserweight stuff and the stuff, the people just below the main eventers, mm. I can watch all that, but that main event, that that stuff, the headliner stuff that was carrying the brand, 
just just doesn't work for me anymore. It's just, just, I don't know why. It doesn't work for me. But it was chaos as well. It yeah, was, it was chaos. It feels it. You know, and it and it just seemed like there, everything was out of control, mm. and it was just. It just took took WCW from a family product to be in a kind of like what the, what the fu- you know what yeah. the hell is this kind of thing you know almost full, almost full then yeah uh, or you know or plume de flume plume de flume plume de flume what's going on here you know and and people the fans 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 hooked into that yeah because it was something what else was there out there that that, that had that kind of chaos to it there was well that, that, let's talk about the other one then uh, that had the chaos to it now it's time to get extreme. Extreme. What what was your exposure of ECW like? Did you did you hear about it in the nineties, or was it something you came across later on? No, I I I, I did hear about it in the nineties, um, uh, but I didn't um, I didn't quite get it at first. I kind of yeah. thought, I thought, what is it? Is it is it backyard? Is it you know? Is it amateur wrestling? Yeah. What is it? You know, um, and it, what I didn't really get it until I start, I think I watched. I think it was Guilty as Charged. Right. Was the pay-per-view that they did. I was not sure if it was Guilty as Charged or... It was their first pay-per-view they did. And it was... Uh, Terry Funk was on there and he got wrapped up in barbed wire to the extent that he had to be cut out of it. Mm. And I thought, I like this shit. This is good shit. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then I kind of got hooked on it as much as I can. But to get it over here was really hard. Yeah, you know, to, I mean, it was more on sort of like cable network across there than it was across here, and you could only get like bootleg tapes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So whenever I could get them, like the TV shows, I would. Mm. And sometimes they would be like, um, like a camcorder job. Some of the ECW shows, I still got to this day. I still got all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of my tapes from them days. Some of the shows are just filmed from one camera, Sh- shaky cam, shaky cam, yeah, yeah. And and then they released them, and they used to trade tapes with my tape traders. That I used to go to to get wrestling and some Japanese tape, stuff. stuff. I'd say the tape trading was was big in the nineties. Oh yeah, really. I was tra- I was tape trading. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was, I was buying them off anyone I can, and you know, yeah, getting them everywhere. And eBay was 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 about, of course. You know, only just really yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but you could still buy yeah, tapes yeah. off there, you know. And then you you buy a tape off there, and it, or you go to boot sales, and people would sell them at boot sales. I, I have to admit. I didn't know much about, it, but tape trading. It's weird. I mean, like, tape trading was 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 big. I mean, it mm. wasn't. I would say that tape trading one is one of those things that it's. I I sort of, I'm sort of wish I hadn't missed. I missed tape trading. I'm mm. too I'm too young to have really benefit from tape trading because by the time I got old enough to things, we had the internet. Yeah, Grant, right granted, no, 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 no. But my point being is, there's an like, ageist thing going on here. No, 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 no. It's, it's, I, I, there's a. Whenever I hear about people that talk about tape trading, and this isn't just for the wrestling industry or for mm. wrestling, for films. What we talked about during Halloween was, you know, the video nasties and, oh, yeah. and other. I other, traded them as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, this whole thing of tape trading at conventions or at boot sales or whatever. Was a was a real thing that like there was a legitimate underground and you could be a part of like that underground. I remember, going, but you can't really anymore because I had to go to Cardiff, to, yeah, to an alleyway in Cardiff to buy to lose your virginity. No, 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 to buy it. No, that was on Calisle Mountain. <laughs> Never story altogether. To the anyway to 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 um to buy a tape of the King of the Death Match, mm-hmm. and the guy had to sell it to me in an alleyway. 
It's crazy. This is it, and it's I think like, this is so bloodthirsty. I'll never be released yeah. in this country. Well, that's, but it, but it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think that's the. the, the there's a, yeah, it was a bit more. There was an edge to it, which is the point. Yeah, totally. And you know, totally. when you look back with it, I have to look back at it through history, mm. and there is that thing of like, oh, I wish I could have been a part of that scene because I think it would have been amazing. Because mm. um, I didn't. I didn't know about ECW until I, I, because you know, I was a bit soft in the head. I think, really. I mean, I'd, I'd just assumed there was WWF, and I knew about WCW, but I was like, oh, that's it. Mm. I didn't even know it. I knew and I, there was World of Sport, but that had gone in '89. So for me, I was like, oh, there's only two wrestling promotions in the world. <laughs> didn't know about Japan. Didn't know about the European circuit. Didn't know about anything else in America. I was like, there's WWF and there's WCW. And then obviously, as you get into it, and when I actually started wrestling, and the more I learned about Mick Foley in particular, and you start watching his videos, and you start, I watch mm. Beyond the Mat, and I'm like, my my God, like mm. there's so much more than this well budgeted, polished product. That's oh yeah, just I mean, pumped out. It was raw. It was absolutely raw. Oh, let, oh, oh. oh. This, I don't want Vince turning up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get a letter from Vince. Well, it was it, it was, was edgy. It was extreme. Oh, it was it was <laughs> it was it was just amazing. I mean, it was it was kind of in your face. It mm. was in your face entertainment. You know, you had people coming down to rings. It was more than in your house. It was oh, in your yeah, face. Was, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, you had people come to rings with cigarettes mm. and drinking alcohol and flicking the finger finger and effing and jeffing. You know, and and not giving a crap. You know, on blood every more or less every match. It was just. What the hell is this? This is just like, is this legal? So, so do you think, and I sort of know the answer, but do you think ECW had an impact on the booking and the way the promotion went, both WCW and WWF? Oh, totally, because I think WWF wanted to be somewhere in between WCW and ECW. ECW. Because ECW was working as a, I mean, it was a, it was it was the the, the third promotion. Mm. Even though people don't think it was, it bloody was. Mm. It was a huge following for WC uh, for ECW. And so they uh, they wanted to be like the well budgeted. Yeah, they know. wanted to be the midway between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they wanted to be yeah. the midway between the two and, and with lots more money, and a lot more polished product, and then and that's you know introducing the hardcore championship. Mm. You know, which yeah, it was no accident. No, that's no, good. But I'd forgotten all about. I'd forgotten all about the hardcore. Yeah. I mean, totally legitimate title. Okay, fair enough. And Crash Holly got it. Got a bit silly. The twenty four seven rule. Twenty four seven rule. That was amazing. Which, which was made. I think the twenty four seven rule was made by Mick Foley as commissioner. As commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. Commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, the twenty four seven rule. I mean, that, that did get silly when he was. Especially in the play pit. In the play pit, yeah. yeah. And he was like some like twenty-four time <laughs> yeah. hardcore champion. It was like the Jericho Championship yeah. all over again, wasn't it? Um, okay, so we can see that there was a direct. I mean, again, you and you see there are certain workers that come up through EC, ECW. Whether well, yeah, Stone Cold was only really there as a bit of a drop in after a WCW run, and but you can see it's the birth of the Stone Cold character. So without mm. ECW, I don't know if you'd have. Stone Cold we get, we yeah, got. No, Stone Cold was allowed to be himself. Yeah, and and, and vent some and vent some anger, I think. But, but, like but, say, but under the guidance of again, you know, it was under the guidance of of 
a guy who who many many hated for lots of reasons, but now is revered as one of the greatest minds in the industry. It's Paul, mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, mm-hmm. and I mean the guy the guy was a t- twisted genius. He knew what worked and what didn't work. He, yeah, the similarities here, because the wrestlers there didn't understand where he was coming from. Just went, all right, Paul, all right, let's just do what you say. And then afterwards, it turns out the way it is. So it just goes to show. See, they are some. I think the thing is, like you say, when because what ECW really got going, I think like ninety four became extreme in ninety four. I think well, Wrestlepalooza, Wrestlepalooza ninety eight was the, the biggest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to I think ninety. I'd say ninety six. I'm going to say ninety six. I'm going to. I'm going to say ninety six. Dragon's sake. Here's, here's us. This is great radio. Um, well, we can edit this bit out, surely. So, ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling from 92 to 94. Yeah. Extreme Championship Wrestling, 94. Well, so, fuck you. Yeah, so 94 <laughs> was when it became uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling. So, but when you look at that then, because Raw... Raw was broadcast in '93, mm-hmm. but was still very much. Although they call it Raw, it was Panto. It was, it was, Panto. Panto. Yeah. It was still very, very safe. It was yeah, still you said very, the dog, the clowns. Yeah, it was. Out. It was live, and it was probably you can see incrementally it was edging towards what it was going to be, mm. but it was still safe. WCW was actually at that point being booked, and I saw this more research it was being booked by Dusty Rhodes and Ol uh, uh, Ol Anderson. Mm. So you were still getting, you know, Lady Elizabeth and Randy Savage doing something, the same thing they would have done in, you know, in 88. Yeah, they so, were just repeating the yeah, same what things worked. again. Mm. But this heavy metal grunge teenage audience that was, you know, was like having lank long hair and denim jackets with metal, you know, heavy metal band badges or whatever, was, wasn't watching this anymore. That's what I was saying before is... They didn't catch up the times, and ECW caught on to that. That's what Paulie. Yeah, yeah. That's what Paulie could do. He he could sort of tell what the pulse of the the you know those kids that liked Hogan in '84 had grown up, and they wanted something different. And he knew it. And uh, yeah, you're right. He was a twisted genius. The guy was. Oh, the totally. guy was just so in touch with what people wanted. Still is. He's still brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, you know, and I think ECW is is is. ECW the way the way it was and the, the guys of Paul Heyman was amazing, just absolutely amazing product, and and that kind of like that symbolised that I mean that was without ECW there would have been an attitude era in my opinion. No, I'd agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I agree. That that Vince Vince just copied ECW and diluted it somewhat. Yeah, kept it safe, a little safer, but only yeah. just. I mean. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't see Raw week on week in the nineties, but some of the things it became like, it became PG thirteen, yes, rather than PG, rather than PG, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I think you're right. I think really, when you look at the nineties or the second half of the nineties, let's say from like ninety four onwards, mm. there are certain factors. Like if, if things had been level, mm. if you hadn't have had ECW, if you hadn't have had WCW, I still stand by the fact I think WWF would have died out by. Or would have been would have would have been really well, lagging. By Vince, the end of Vince McMahon says, doesn't he himself? If he didn't do the Attitude Era or hadn't been successful, they would have they would have gone bankrupt. I think so. 
I think I can yeah I can totally believe it. I think him growing into a monopoly as he did mm. again like Vince screwed Vince. Mm. I think he built it to an era where like Vince thrived on the competition. The reason it became so good in the eighties was because Vince was all gung ho to make it the biggest promotion it could be. And then by like eighty eight, eighty nine, when he got there, I think it plateaued. Well, he was doing four four pay per views a year and went uh, and went for twelve. Yeah, you know. And now they're doing something ridiculous. I don't know. God knows what they're doing now. I think they're doing roughly, roughly about twelve a year now. Should so drop that. Like, go yeah. back. Go back to. I think. Do. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think that's a that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, I I think that it shows the boost in in the in the nineties that that, <clears> that, <throat> that turn in business where you go from four pay per views a year to twelve. Yeah, that's quite something. And then WCW followed up suit and said, "Okay, you're doing twelve. We're going to do twelve. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to do one that's completely <coughs> NWO." Oriented, of course, sold out, which bombed mm. absolutely bombed because no one wanted to see their own pay per view of yeah. NWO. Well, like I say, by the end of the so 98 99, ECW is in real financial trouble, like, no one's getting paid. WCW, so EC, no, ECW as well. ECW was in, was in the, was in the shitter. All the big guys, the name, all the talent from ECW had been picked up. So all the guys that had come through ECW were now working probably for the to the other two mm. in some capacity. I mean, Jericho started these, you know, did a decent stint at ECW and yeah, he did yeah. Eddie they were, they, and, and they were trying to, but they were trying to do a cross promotional thing with. They did WWE. a cross promotional thing there yeah, for a yeah, short time, and it didn't work out, did it? They no, had a, they had a bit it of fell a bit flat. Yeah. Well, it worked out from a fan perspective, but I think behind the scenes it just uh, no one some... wanted to concede concede that, that the other had won or anything like that. It was a bit, yeah, it was a. I think it was poorly thought out on, you know, when it came to planning. <clears throat> um, but let's say, so, and WCW was, mm. was, you know, was busting at the seams, was paying ridiculous amounts of money, but fans were starting to walk away because they were just sick of seeing... The wrestlers didn't care. The wrestlers in WCW were there for the money. They weren't there for anything else. They it was it. It became, you know, it became, easy payday. It became the Hogan Nash show, didn't it? And that was it. What, Hogan and Hogan's friends? Yeah. Including mm. what I'd never heard of before until doing the research for this was the finger poke, the finger poke of doom. Oh, the one with uh, Kevin, Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash pokes Hogan in the chest. No, sorry. Hogan, Hogan pokes, pokes Nash, Nash in, the, in chest, the chest. And he lies down for him to give him the title. And apparently, like, that was it. Like, every, everywhere I read, everyone was like, that was it. That was the turning point where everyone was like, Ugh, this again and yeah. Although they they tried desperate things. Oh, going back to films, then they said they tried desperate things to to really push um, the WCW brand, including oh. <laughs> putting the the heavyweight title or the world title David on David Arquette. That was a, that was a Vince Russo thing. It was yeah yeah. Uh, but when he was trying to promote the WCW funded film. Ready the to rumble. rumble. Yeah. So him, it's David Arquette and Scott Kahn uh, and Oliver Platt as uh, the king. Um, Which was Jerry Lawler, basically. Which is, but it was. It's a yeah. Jerry Lawler rip. It's, it's, it's a it's a piss take of Jerry Lawler. Yeah, totally. Which, uh, even when I watched it, I was like, this seems really familiar. Um, it's not a bad film. It's quite hard to get hold of. I've got it somewhere. I think I've, I've, I used to have it on DVD. I've probably got rid of it now, but... It's quite hard to get hold of these days, but um, it's got some interesting 
it's it's got a really interesting sort of uh, dynamic to it because the I mean the like the film is basically that uh, uh, Oliver Platt having not worked out at all clearly is a top line wrestler. It's again Lawler. Yeah. You know, all right. It, yeah. He's playing Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. He's playing Jerry Lawler, and these two. You know, he's going to retire uh, or whatever, and then David Arquette and Scott Kahn go on the road to try and bring him back, yeah. and along the way they meet with all the WCW superstars. Um, and they end up in a title match against the baddies, and the baddies in the ma- in the film are Diamond Dallas Page, Diamond Dallas Page the amazing DDP, mm. um, and um, and then <laughs> I'll just throw it. So I'm trying to remember who else was in it. There's a load of others. Like there's a load of other just oh, stock yeah, yeah. stock heel thingies, and they basically it's a it's a hell in a cell tower match. Like it's basically like a big yeah. tower of cells, but. They give away Tower of Doom, they call it. Tower of Doom, that's it. Mm. And there's several moments in it where during the match they do things where I know that there were smarks at this point, so the internet had started and people knew that it was a work and all this other stuff. But in the in the film, they have them calling spots in the ring. But he's like, Alright, baby, let's go for hip toss, armbar, da da da. And I was like, Wow, they've got this in a film that's mm. being promoted by a wrestling promotion that wants you to watch this film and then go watch a wrestling show. Okay, that seemed a little bit odd to me. Yeah, 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 I agree but with that. there's another bit where David Ar- no, Scott Kahn blows, um, this isn't the old gimmick, of blowing dust or powder into the wrestler's face. Yeah. Blows it to Diamond We've Dallas' page. Yeah, and it's a great gimmick. It's a great spot. Blows it to Diamond Dallas' page. He's like, that never works. No, I didn't know this. But if after the film was promoted, WCW then used that as a distraction point in a match. <laughs> after, no way. Seriously, wow. So it was built into a storyline that says it never works, that, and then yeah. they put her into it. Oh my god! So and then, but, it has but the they best. used the, but they used the Tower of Doom for a pay per view. They did. Yeah. Um, and the only bit in that film that's really really good is Oliver Platt. It's about to get all beaten up and. It stops being a work and becomes a real shoot when Goldberg, Sting, and I forget who else, comes to the ring um, to save the day mm. and get you know Jerry the uh, Jerry Oliver Platt the King uh, the belt. It's a very odd film. It's a very bizarre film for well, strangely entertaining. But it is very strangely entertaining. There was another film called Bad Boys, which was not, not the not the Will no, Smith film. No. There's um, no holds barred. With yeah, Hogan and uh, uh, Tiny Lister, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> which is a good film actually. Worth that's worth a see. Yeah, Zeus and Rip. That's it, Zeus. Yeah, Tiny Lister became Zeus. Um, but that actually then transpired into. I can see it. You look at that. Right, it's about it's about real. You know, sort of like films reflecting into the wrestling world. Okay, so yeah. you've got like, for instance, in Shockwave. Um, uh, at WCW, you had Robocop turn up, and they get Sting out of a cage. Oh God, yes. Yeah, you have um, you have No Holds Barred, Zeus, Hogan. Well, Zeus is the eighties of Zeus. Uh, sorry, uh, No Holds Barred like is like eighty. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm saying is, is that you got Zeus and Hogan, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is, and then they and then WWE or WWF yeah. as it was, then decided to bring Zeus in to to wrestling yeah. and but, use him as a character. But no. But then fast forward to the nineties, yeah. WW again is just rehashing that formula. Mm. David Arquette, right, right, right. Oh, it's the same, and, and same thing. Bring it in. But the thing is, but at least with 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 no holds barred, the film plays it like a legit fight. 
sort of mm. thing. It's played like a legit fight. It's not. Played... I'll go on better. All right. Okay. So in the eighties, and this is something like, like kayfabe. Even up until like the early nineties, early mid nineties, kayfabe was still a big thing. Like mm. you presented yourself as your character to the public, and you you know as little as much as you could, you didn't break character. Yeah, you didn't travel together. Exactly. Heels yeah. and faces travel separately. You didn't acknowledge each other in airports or anything like that. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, and um, you you didn't, do, you know, didn't divulge how the, the basically, the magic was done, all this other stuff. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Kayfabe was solid. Let's go back in time to 1983. Actually, maybe not 80. No, it's 83? Yes. 83, 82. Mm. You've seen Rocky 3. Oh, Thunderlips. Thunderlips. <laughs> Thunderlips, the ultimate male. Reminds me of an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, slide anecdote, when I was John Bull, uh, Mike, you actually referred to me uh, as Thunderlips, the ultimate whale in a match. <laughs> and it caught did on, It did, and it caught on as a chant. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that. Yeah, the, wow. two, the two big things you called me that caught on as a chant, one caught on bigger than the other, was, was Big Gay Bear. <laughs> big Gay Bear, I remember Which that, yeah. caught on across multiple shows. But you also called me Thunderlips, the ultimate ultimate whale, and uh, it caught on uh, uh, the, uh, the show. But anyway, um, it's a creative genius. Yeah, it was like it was you and Paulie. Um, in in Rocky Three, mm. it's Rocky versus Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan, in a charity match, and uh, you know Thunderlips comes in and, and basically beats up uh, Rocky, suplexes him. Yeah, backbreaker. Backbreaker, right? Picks him up, uh, throws him into the crowd, you know. Here we go, meatball! Bump, does it all. And at the end of the thing, he gets him in, it's like, time for a photograph. And then he's like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? He's like, oh, come on, this is just for the kids. And I'm like, this is 83. Mm. And they're acknowledging, or 82 even, and they're acknowledging that this is a work. <laughs> I was stunned when I, when later on in life, like I say, when I watch go back and watch Rocky Three now, mm. that stuns me. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, everyone was so kayfabe, wasn't it? Because it was so solidly kayfabe mm. in '82. Like you know, you've got still got like really old school guys working then, mm. and it was massively kayfabe. The villain in that story is Clubber Lang, the great yeah. Mister T. Yeah. Two years later, he appears at WrestleMania side by side with Hogan. Hogan, yeah, yeah. In a, in what they're trying to produce as a legit match against Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff. Mm. And you start to think to yourself, like, I know that luckily there wasn't videotapes and stuff at that point, so you couldn't go back and look at it and stuff. But even then, you know, people and workers, there was that nudge that it's not real. You know, mm. it's not real. It's amazing to me now that like when they started to really break kayfabe in the nineties and they acknowledge things like well Vince McMahon yes he was an announcer but he actually owns WWE mm. um, and all these other things that started to, they started to sort of do these meta stories and stuff about background politics and people were like <gasps> really stunned by it yeah they broke down the third wall yeah but then when you start to fourth wall but when you start to look at it. Mm. It, it was never that sort of like there's things that sort of you know there's there's always been that sort of like eh, wink wink nudge nudge we sort of know it's a bit silly, you mm. know this man dressed as a a, a Georgia prison guard, <laughs> this guy dressed as a mountie, this guy dressed yeah. as a clown, mm. aren't legit fighters, 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The fact I believed it as a kid, I feel a bit of a pillock, to be perfectly honest. But show them how good they were at their craft. Mm. Just, totally. just retracting, uh, getting back to something I was saying earlier on, though, okay? The problem with 90s wrestling for me, when WCW was concerned, is that WCW just mirrored and copied literally everything there is to um, copy with regards to um, uh, things that had gone before. So they just basically was repeating shit that had gone down yeah. before. And that that's where it failed. ECW was making groundbreaking new innovative ways of hurting each other and making something look entertaining. And bringing in like and they were bringing in Japanese wrestlers, Mexican wrestlers, European wrestlers. Oh yeah, they were. They were bringing in people left, right, and centre. I mean, Ulf, Ulf was in there. Ulf Herman was in there yeah, as part yeah, of the yeah. Italian, um, Maf- uh, the Italian, the I I right anyway so yeah so yeah they were ECW was doing a lot of good things and I think that's why you know the Attitude Era works the Attitude Era was giving us something completely new that we hadn't seen before and you got to be honest look at the Attitude Era and look at ECW even though there was the similarities between the the kind of stuff that they were trying to get across the message they were trying to get across they were still doing their, their, their unique stuff mm. they were still doing their um, their own individual stuff and uh, that's what makes the Attitude Era great. Just absolutely wonderful, wonderful time. Of innovative writing, creativity, wrestling, character mm. work, promo work. I mean, some of the greatest promos yeah, oh, were, yeah. were cut. Yes. You know, in there. I mean, there was great promos cut in, in ECW. Mm. But there were fabulous, fabulous promos cut. I mean, The Rock. Yeah. Stone Cold. Even Mick Foley. Foley did some amazing ones, some real meta ones as well. Like oh, yeah. it's you know lifting the lid a bit. I mean the three faces of Foley and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Dewey Foley as well. Kane Dewey. Kane Dewey. Yeah. Grey promo. Yeah. That was ECW. Obviously. That was. I mean, but yeah, and you get some amazing matches. You know, I mean. Stone Cold Booker T. Oh, I, and it, I think of the attitude. That's era. in the invasion era. That's yeah. oh, that's the invasion. But that comes. That's two thousand two. That's but in the in the supermarket. The supermarket. Yeah, I keep thinking about that. <laughs> well, that's a whole because it's a whole because it's Booker T on the run, isn't it? From yeah, Stoker. yeah, yeah. They go to a funeral parlor. <laughs> yeah. They go to the house in a car <laughs> park. To be a statue. Yeah, <laughs> and then they end up in the in the supermarket and so. Brilliant! I love that segment. That it's one of my favourite segments of all time. That is. It's yeah, so yeah. silly, but it's so so good. Um, but from the so from the attitude era, hmm. top of your head. Like, list me a couple of things, standout moments that will that you always, like, if, you know, if you if I say attitude here or nineties wrestling, what what springs to mind for you? What defines it for you? Um, Rock and Stone Cold, hundred mm-hmm. percent Rock Stone Cold, Mankind Undertaker to an extent as well. I mean, Hell and Cell, King of the Ring. No, I mean, that's wow, mm. wow. You know, um, wasn't a big fan of DX at all. Mm. Didn't like the the whole DX thing. It was a bit too. It was a bit too children playing naughty children mm. sort of thing. Yeah, or that sort of thing. Um, Kurt Angle. Mm. Mm. You know, I think I think um, Benoit. I Ben, you know. Jericho coming on to Raw, you know, and, and entering Raw and being and interrupting the Rock. Mm. How dare you, little 
jabroni come on the rock show and not even have the class to introduce yourself what is your name i told you it doesn't matter what your name is about your Y2J plan? Well, The Rock has a little plan of his own, and it's called the KY Jelly Plan. Oh, no. Which... <laughs> you know what that is, JR? Yeah. You do? You don't clean... You don't use it to clean pipe, JR. Which means The Rock is gonna lose his size 13 boot real good. Turn that some bitch sideways oh. and stick it straight up. You can do it. You know the first Universal Champion. All this, all this kind of like the the, the key guys. That that pay per view. Uh, is it no? No, I don't want to. It's unforgiven. Unforgiven. Mm. They they do the champion. It, it's the Rock. Be the Jericho, Rock and Stone Cold in the same Stone, night. Oh, it's amazing. That was a really Rob Van Dam splits uh, Stone Cold just under his lip, mm. and he had to go to the hospital, get stitches, and then, and then come, come back, back and fight the rest match, Yeah, that's a good pay per view. That is. That's that was a great pay per view. I mean that that was the, the standard pay per views in mm. the Attitude Era as well. It was just amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. You now we we stepped up from you know we had matches, pig pen matches prior to that, mm. you know, and stuff, and it's like with the good wins, you know. The Godwins, is it Godwins? Yeah, Godwins, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and and the heavenly bodies and things, and you're like, oh come, really? Yeah. The body donors, it was the body donors, yeah. skipping. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think when I think about the attitude, there, Stone Cold mm-hmm. is 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 forefront for me. Hardcore um, Holly. Hardcore Holly, yeah, jeez. Uh, you know the thing I was watching, so I watched, so I pulled out some of the old DVDs, and yeah, you know, the, the sort of they do the. Um, the warning at the start, like, mm. you know, these guys are professionals, don't do this at home. And they showed the little snippets of people basically being injured. And there's that thing where Hardcore Holly is oh, back, is split open. And... That was on a Raw. Yeah. That was on a Raw show. And I'm just watching it going like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that was gushing. Yeah. I mean, you saw the clip earlier on from Botchamania. Yeah. The um, uh, the one with Eddie and JBL. And I mean, I know that's... A later. little later, yeah. But I mean, you look at the. You look oh, there's some legit. Yeah. Well, when you look at things that could have, when we look at injury, when we look at injury-inducing things, they introduced hell in a cell, mm. and you know, the first, yeah, the first one with Taker Shawn Michaels is a bloodbath. Shawn, Shawn Michaels is just is a bloodbath. Completely yeah, <laughs> covered, blood yeah, all yeah, over yeah, the place. It's a bloodbath. Taker is as well. Taker's yeah, yeah. Taker's and it, I watched it. Well. It's 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 a great match. Like yeah, it's a, good match. And, and, you know, interesting finish with with Kane and stuff. But the second Hell in a Cell. The mankind. Mankind versus Taker. Which then has t- mankind thrown off the roof through the table and stuff. Great spot. That was a great spot. It's awesome. Mm. But even watching it now, you're like, how the, how does he walk away from that? Like, because mm. it ends then with him going through, the ring. And granted, the ring was set up to do it. No, you see the first. No, the what the choke slam. The choke slam was was through not, the roof. Was, wasn't supposed to happen at all. 
that was not supposed to happen at all. The first, the first one off the top of the cage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Through, the, through the table was yeah. supposed to happen. That was set up. They were supposed to f- fight on the top of the yeah. cage and stuff like like that. He, he was supposed to climb back up a cage and fight again on top of the cage. The cage was giving way as they were walking across before anything else happened. Anyway, mm. when he choke slammed him, wasn't supposed to happen at all. How does he w- walk away from that? Like Jesus, because yeah. I mean, obviously it knocked him for six. Cause oh, he was out. He was he was knocked out legitimately. Yeah. He woke up, found a pair. Look, he said, "Pair of trainers." Pair of trainers. It's Terry Fox. He's been he's been he's been choke slammed out of his trainers. Um, Tooth on his up his nose. Yeah. As well, cut on his lip. Yeah, he's trying to stick his tongue through. Yeah. There so he can because he's trying to feel it, and they think, "Oh, look, he's oh. smiling. He's smiling." So no, I was just trying to see what that hole was yeah. in my mouth. You know. It's it's if you watch that image where he comes to the corner of the ring and he's doing that face, it's horrific. Oh, totally. Like it's really quite chilling that you're like he is messed up, but that stands to me as like the dedication these guys had mm. at that era. So that always stands out to me. Other ones are like like they say, just the craziness of Stone Cold, um, taking the Zamboni down to the ring and the the beer truck. Or do you remember Kurt Angle and the milk truck? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was amazing. Like Kurt Angle has such a great sense of humour. Um, all these things, like they said, the, you know, the uh, the Austin Vince McMahon feud. Um, you're right about DX. DX never really worked for me. Mm. Worked for me even less when they came back as sort of like middle aged men. That yeah, really, that really that fell flat for me. Um, but there was so much like the Rock. The Rock became the Rock. Like yeah, you know, yeah, just just yeah, yeah. just just like from the Rocky Maivia. Yeah. Just became die, the most electrifying, yeah, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And it just, it just works so well. But there's so many others. Like um, I'd even say, like Triple H, when after he's after his injury returns. I mean, it's a bit later and stuff, but mm. coming out to Motorhead and and all that sort of stuff. It's just, oh man, that was awesome. Yeah, you know the the the, the games music. Yeah, just like oh, wow. And like you say, all those pay per views um, are just. Awesome, I mean, as it still is attitude era, but of course Royal Rumble, mm. um, Royal Rumble two thousand, two thousand one, whichever mm. one's got the street fight between Mick Foley and uh, Triple H. Oh, it was Cactus. Yeah, he was. He was Cactus, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. That was that. That was the Helen. That was the Helen Cell. No, 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 no. Just a, just a street fight, a street fight between Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, and. Triple H. Now this is sort of I think we're moving out of our territory now, so we're probably sort of like I said we've come to an end really, I think, but I want to talk about this because it has hmm. again when I think about this era sort of like let's say attitude era sort of ends two thousand one, two thousand two ish. So we're going a little bit out of, hmm. of of the century. But there's a there's a moment even now. There are there are three promos that when I watch them back, or three moments in WWE that when I watch them back still give me chills. Right. Like really go, Ooh, and they really get me going. Um, and this is the number one. This one. The other two are um, the Pillman's got a gun. Yeah. Which although it's a good angle, despite the acting of thing that and it is terrible, like is just that awesome. is legitimate at his home. And yeah, it really, yeah, yeah. It really was his it's home. It's nuts. It really was his wife. Yeah. It's it's absolutely nuts. And you watch it, and I'm still like, this is nuts. Like this yeah, is yeah. the birth of Austin, and it's nuts. Love it. Um, the other one is. I watch it and I enjoy it because it's a little sillier but I still really like it is Undertaker crucifying Stone Cold 
Yes, yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's so it's so ridiculously over the top. But I watch it and I'm still like, this is badass. Mm. Like Undertaker is a druid. But then they got that. They nicked that from ECW because ECW crucified yeah. uh, Raven. I think Raven was crucified. Raven did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was awesome, and I can and watch Kurt, that. Kurt Angle's at the show, and Kurt yeah. Angle walked out. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, not being associated. Yeah, with this, this is year. a bit much no. for me. Um, but that promo is awesome. But mm. the one that really always stands out to me is. Um, to give us some context, Mick Foley had come back, he'd been working out and he'd got himself in a much better position and he comes out and um, Triple H had beaten him up and then the week before he has a match and um, he's in the Mankind garb so he's got the shirt on, the tracky bottoms and the the mask and he has a match and he, he runs and he does a running knee into someone in the corner and all this other stuff goes on right? and then the end of the match is interrupted by Triple H coming out and giving him a bit of a decking anyway, he, and then Triple H calls him out and uh, they're doing the spot. Um, I think they've got the fake. I think it's with one where they've got the fuck. I can never remember. They've got the fake Mick Foley. And Mick Foley comes out dressed as 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 uh, mankind. We saw a vicious side of Mick Foley Monday night after being driven through the table what by you get off on Making fun of me. How much more do you want from me? First. You take away my job, then you bring this idiot out there, and you take away my dignity. Then Monday night, in what should have been the greatest night of my life, when I was reinstated on Roy's war. You take me, and you ruin my shirt. What? And you ruin my face, and I'll be honest, when I stepped into that shower and I let the cold water run down on my head and I looked down at the blood as it swirled around that shower drain, Ugh. I started thinking a little bit about what mankind was. Now, mankind is an entertaining son of a gun. Mankind... It's a pretty damn good author. Mankind is one tough SOB. And mankind is one hell of a fighter. So it saddens me to say that after the beating you gave me on Monday night, one thing mankind is not is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. Is that? Because you are without a doubt the game. You are the best in the business right now. And as you said, well, mankind in some ways is nothing more than a beaten up, pathetic fool. But I think the WWF fans deserve a substitute in that match. Substitute? He's kicking it out? What I'm going to do, Triple H, is I'm going to name him right now. As a matter of fact, I think you know the guy. His name 
official act as part of the WWF is to kick your teeth all over the city of Chicago. Not, I think when you well, watch yeah. it, there's um, he could cut a great promo. And, but, and, and, was... Yeah, and to be fair, Triple H sells it like a yeah, yeah. like an absolute mother because he's just like, oh shit, like yeah. this just got real. And even like this Mick Foley says, hurt. even on when it, on one of the DVDs, Mick Foley talks about it. He says it could have flopped, like mm. you know, Triple H could have gone, whatever. You're still fat Foley, um, but it isn't. It's like no, no, no. For him, it was. Like I'm not, you're not lovable, silly mankind who's done the "This is your life" skit with The Rock, which is one of my favorites. Which is also awesome. Yeah. I'm now coming out as uh, Cactus Jack, the guy who did all the death matches, the guy who's sort of like fallen through barbed wire, the guy who was set on fire. Like I'm coming out serious. I'm coming out to kick your ass. Mm. And watching it, and I'm just like, it's it, seriously like every time I watch it, makes my heart pound it's such a good promo and it leads up to one of possibly like the best street fight matches ever like without a doubt mm. one of the best matches mm. seriously i will go i would recommend that match to anybody because there's true despite it being like brutal and stuff there's true psychology to that match i think of that time it was probably the greatest one i think i think i think again mcfoley mcfoley run back much further in history 2009 mm. i think which was Foley against Randy Orton. That's a great match as well. Which is probably, I, I'd say, well, Foley Edge as well. Yeah, Foley Edge. Yeah, yeah. Foley Edge and Foley Man. Um, um, Foley Orton. Um, Mick Foley Randy Orton wow. match is very reminiscent of the Foley Triple H. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, it is. It's the Triple H one. Yeah. But yeah, they, st- they are excellent. Mm. Excellent matches. Um, I mean, I think that's the thing. Obviously, we talk about the legacy of the Attitude Era, the 90s wrestling. I mean, the legacy mm. lived on. You get the Invasion Era, despite WCW being sold off and ECW becoming also being purchased out by WWF or WWE mm. as it became. Um, the legacy is strong. I mean, like, you know, the guys go on. The mm. Rock, uh, Jericho. Jericho's still working and still excellent. Yeah, he's still as good as he was. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, he's not lost a beat. Not no, lost a beat. And The Rock will come back and do the, the you know, he granted he's gone off and become the most electrifying, the most well-paid actor of 2016. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah, the most, the um, highest, highest paid actor, wasn't he? Yeah, so wow. the legacy of that is it, it the legacy of the Attitude Era, it, it birthed stars. I think it's more so than today. I think there's a lot of stars that's been, that are there today that are featuring main event, which will never be in the same league. No. There's people like Roman Reigns. I don't even watch today. And Roman Reigns is just terrible. Just terrible. There's no one I see when I when when you go back to if you were to look at um I'll tell you what, let's let's put it this way. If you were to look at um six, eighty six, uh ninety six, two thousand and six, two thousand sixteen. Mm. Each of those periods right, in eighty six I would say you're you're starting to get the cross media penetration of wrestling mm-hmm. globally, like worldwide. Yeah, so you've uh, got WrestleMania three. You've had the Hogan wrestle, yeah, yeah. You've had so you've got names like Hogan, Randy Savage, um, Steamboat, Steamboat, Andre Giant, Andre the Giant. I mean, Andre, yeah, Andre the Giant's been in um, 
Um, he was in New Japan for a while. Well, no, Princess Bride and oh, so cross media. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah. That so comes later, but, yeah. but they're starting to get into. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, Hogan's been in the the, the bloody the A team and, and appeared on TV shows. So you're getting cross promotion of like wrestlers. The headline headline guys in '86 are stars. Re- Hogan's had a TV cartoon about him. Hogan mm. and his wrestling buddies, yeah, or whatever yeah. it's called. Hogan rock, Mysteries. Rock That's it. Rock and wrestle. Jeez. Yeah. He'd met Scooby Doo at this point. He's famous. '96. Again, you've attitude got era. you've got the attitude. You've got massive cross promotion. Again, Stone Cold, Mankind, Rock. Even from yeah, angle, WCW, yeah. you've got all these guys appearing in TV shows. You've got them appearing on like music videos. You've got them appearing on MTV. All this stuff, massive mm. cross promotion. Two thousand and six, you've got like The Rock's become already start to become a major actor. Mm. Stone Cold's just Stone Cold will always be you know one of the biggest stars. Um, Undertaker's appeared in films, TV shows, and you know I'm trying to think of it. It's dropping off a bit, but two thousand sixteen. The only one I can really think of that mm. regularly appears on different things is John Cena. Yeah, he crops up now and again, doesn't he? He crops up. He's had a couple of films. He's done a few other things. He was in that train wreck with Amy Schumer last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done bits and pieces where he's willing to do stuff. No one else. Stepdad, he's in Stepdad. Yeah, exactly, well. he's in Stepdads because yeah. yeah, he's like basically a muslier version of Mark Wahlberg. I've always thought that. Um, but no one else. I mean, they did like what was it? This uh, John Cena was in the Marine. The Marine, yeah. And they did yeah. they did Marine Two, which was Randy Orton. No. No, that was oh he was in because right so Cena did the Marine and Twelve Rounds. Which actually, yeah. I'll tell you, Twelve Rounds is actually not a bad film. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's a good film. Okay. I'd actually rate him in that. It's a pretty good action film. Then so then they did they did Mr. Kennedy. And Kennedy was the Marine Two. No, he was. No, he no, was uh, behind, behind Enemy Lines, Lines Three. three. But then, and, all right. Uh, so there's, there's Teddy Biossi was in behind enemy lines four. All right. So there's still been the marine, the marine one. John marine Cena. Two, marine two is the Miz. Miz. Yeah. Then yeah. Marine three is, is the Miz again. No, no, it's Dibiase. No, 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 no. That's that's behind enemy lines. Oh, is saying. it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you've got so they're all over the place. These the Miz, because the Miz is still doing the. Marine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then twelve rounds two is Randy Orton. Is it? Yeah. Oh my god. So they have cropped up in like, wow. but they're all all of them. Kane did Cena Evil. One and two, two. two of the worst horror films I've ever seen. Number two was awful. Number one was all right, though. It's all right. Number one was all right, but number two doesn't really explain anything. Anything, because it's like, hang on, he dies in number one. So what? And then he comes back. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, and rubbish. Um, so they do crop up, but all of those are WWE funded films. So they're surprise, bit, surprise. Yeah. So even it, even, even even Triple H. Triple H has done a couple of films. I've yeah. seen. I've never seen. I've never watched any of them. Oh, he's in Blade the Trinity. Chaperone. I've never seen it. I've seen Blade Trinity. He's in that, where he's got, where he's, he's got the little dog that's a vampire. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like now, they're having to force this sort of cross promotion and try and get them out of there. Out, you know, get these these superstars out there because there is no one, as far as I can see, that has the charisma or the star power to really carry that promotion. They mm. haven't got a replacement for The Rock or Stone Cold or even if John Cena, touch wood, was to be struck down with a with a career ending injury tomorrow. No, you could touch wood <laughs> bless him. Well seriously, I don't want the man to lose his job. But if he was to be shot, you know, hit down with a career ending injury tomorrow, I, I don't know what they would do. Because mm. I don't know what they've got. Well they've got yeah, I mean, they, you're right. There's no, there's no one springs to mind. I mean, they are building people up 
it's not the same but is it because of the is it because of they are actually suffering from what they could have suffered from in the early to mid 90s if WCW ECW hadn't existed there's just a drought of character there's a drought of character. Yeah. They, they, the WWF at the moment is fluctuating between... like in the, in the Attitude Era, you knew exactly what it was about. It was about extreme storylines. It was about mm. extreme characters. It was about trying to get a push the boundary as far as you could go to get to that mark, but not cross it. Uh, whereas now, you don't... They don't know exactly what they want to be anymore. There's not enough... There's not enough character. There's... there's, there's they're not sure if they want to be a wrestling show or they want to be a Entertainment a, a, show. Entertainment show. They, they kind of fluctuate between the two. The last two. real star that I sort of like took atten- paid attention to was CM Punk. Yeah, you know, they need something like that again. He was the last one I watched and was like, oh, I'd watch him. He was great. Yeah. Great worker. He's great he, promoter. And he screams attitude here. Yeah, he well, does. You know, ten years, I mean, if he'd have been around 10 years or even 15 years earlier, yeah. I think he would have been awesome. He'd have been absolutely amazing. Oh, he's, he's, he was, I mean, the time, the limited time he was in WWE. Astounding. So absolutely astounding. So really, what was what I'm saying is though. Like, so yeah, we're, all right. So because there are workers in there now that I think I've heard are good workers. I haven't really watched AJ, AJ Styles. But probably. a lot, yeah. But a lot of them are personality, are charisma vacuums. You've got you've got a few there. You've got people like Kevin Owens, who's brilliant. Mm. You know, absolutely brilliant, and he'll be a huge star. Uh, you got Jericho is still obviously yeah. He's still he's still around. Um, Seth Rollins is great technical wrestler he's got the possibilities of being mm. grand and then you've got AJ Styles obviously and then you've got people like Bobby Roode who's in NXT and Austin Aries which they will come up to the WWE but then you've got mm. Finn Balor who has just got it mm. you know we know Finn yeah, we, yeah, we've yeah, worked yeah. Finn yeah, yeah. You know, many but, years ago yeah. yeah but he's he's just got it he's just got everything there needs to be to be that perfect mm. package and that's what they need they need to look at someone like Finn and and look at what the th- what he brings to the table, and that's what they need to shape everyone but else. I up think to be. I think you're right though. I think the thing that seems to be missing is the attitude era was um, they knew what they wanted to achieve because they had a an objective forced upon them. Mm. The objective was to survive, and to and to do it, you had to appeal to the audience, and they wanted extreme or whatever. Mm. You're right. I don't think they know what they want to be. But there's no competition. They, they ha- they're under no threat. That's why. Whereas for WCW, they had to survive. So they had to come up with things. Now they don't have to. They don't have to come up with anything. They can sail along. With Which is my point. So, But will that mean... But the thing is, I mean... Just because they're mediocre doesn't mean people are going to stick around. People will, will go and find all something else. ROH or something like that. Well, I'm talking about even... They might just go off wrestling. They'll be like, oh, I've had enough of this. It's a, it's a, it's a duff product. Well, that's what I've done. I've kind of gone off the... Well, I did as well. I yeah. went off and you go find other things. But I'm wondering, like you say, that you, you can't just say there's good people in there. You need to have the right environment to foster that talent mm. and that thing because you're right i mean if if there hadn't been the attitude era that if there hadn't been that level of competition you I, we would never have had the rock we would never have had stone cold steve austin mm. you know we would never have got any of that you would have got the, the ideal platform for them yeah to, to you'd, have, you'd have been stuck with rocky movia and the ringmaster yeah that's what would have happened mm. without that level of competition because they'd be like tough this is what the company line is we haven't got to do it. We haven't got to do anything other than what you're told. Under that pressure, they're like, your check and that's it. 
But under the pressure to actually survive, they were mm. like, look, just do something. We need to do something. Go out and do something amazing. And and miracles happened. Mm. I don't know. Nothing, nothing makes me want to watch wrestling today. I will go back and I will watch this. Stuff. Maybe it's because of my age and I'm looking at the past through rose-tinted glasses and there's an element of nostalgia. Probably. But I still go and watch films today. I still go and watch TV today that I that is new of things that you know I've always liked. But but whenever I try and watch WWE, it just falls flat. It's just not for me anymore. But then the I'm the, not the target audience. We got to look at stuff like the Attitude Era and and then after the Attitude Era, you know, that's what influenced us. Yes. In our characters, we were we were spoiled. Us in, oh God! In, in yeah. our development, and, yeah. and 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 that's the thing. It's like you know we and now we're. Let's be okay. Let's be completely honest right now. Then. Yeah. So, you and I, whenever we wrestled, really, we were emulating f- Mankart, Mink Mick Foley versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not kid ourselves. Well, probably, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we didn't, we didn't copy the matches or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. But I mean, the characters did, I didn't even do any of the moves that, or, no, at but, all. But know, the but, characters were very influenced. Yeah, we were influenced by my. I mean, obviously, my, my entire my, my character is influenced by mankind. Yeah. You know, it's it was it's a combination of mankind and the Cactus Jack, really. Mm. That's my thing. No, nothing of dude love. No, Cactus kind. Cactus kind. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, it's but that was my influence. That was what you know I drew from that. And you look at when that was, you know, mm. Cactus Jack and 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 mankind. You're talking attitude era, you know. Yeah. Cactus Jack a little bit prior to that, but but still, you know, I mean, you still got that. But, yeah. That intensity, that gimmick. Yeah, and I mean that says that says something, isn't it? And that's influenced that's influenced the in, entire career, you know. I mean, it's just like, wow, a great. Uh, uh, it was a great era for influence, and that's mm. why when we look at wrestling now, we don't look at it as favorably because one, we're detached from it because we're not in it anymore. No, that's true. And secondly, is that you know it's it's not the same now because we don't have that connection. You know, if if we were if we were wrestling, I'm sure the people wrestling out there on the British promotions, you know, the Indies promotions at the moment, are probably looking at people like Seth Rollins and Roman mm-hmm. Reigns and stuff, and probably drawing the same things from them as we did in the Attitude Era. But I, I, from a personal perspective, from someone who can sit outside of the fringe of wrestling and look at it from a creative standpoint, from a theatrical standpoint, I do look at the product and I think this is quite dull. Yes, it I agree. It does not. It does not in, in th- it doesn't want me to tune in to see what's happens what's going to happen next. The only thing that makes me want to watch Raw is Mick Foley is is on there as the general manager. Yes, you know, and the only thing that wants me what what makes me watch you know watch Raw apart from that is Jericho. Yes. and Kevin Owens. This is you what know? what I would say is though in this day and age, we are going through. They say that like we're going through the golden age of television. Okay. Okay. So we're going through. We've got amazing shows. Like we've had Breaking Bad. You've got Walking Dead. You've got um, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know, and now Westworld. And everyone's going on. You know, going mad about that. And and you're getting all the superhero shows: The Flash, Arrow, um, Agents of Shield, and Supergirl. We, we, yeah. You know, we've got some really amazing things. The reason they have to be good is because of the competition. Because there's so much good content now that like you've got to be good, you've got to be shocking in order to win over the competition. If you want an hour of my time, in fact, let's say if you want twelve hours of my time for me to sit through a TV show, you've got to be hooking me in. Yeah. And 
I don't know if you follow The Walking Dead. I'm, I'm, I'm a little oh, bit behind on it. I love it. But obviously what's recently happened with the premiere of season seven, mm. I'm not going to do any spoilers here, but obviously at the end of season six and the start of season seven, they've introduced Negan and, and everything that's happened. Mm. That to me screamed Attitude Era. Mm. It was the, it was the ECW effect of, do you know what we're going to do? Firstly, I'm going to leave you on tenterhooks and then I'm going to basically make you cry and you're going to be begging for more. Yeah. And Game of Thrones does it regularly. Oh, yeah, totally. That thing of, like, sh- shock visuals, but good storytelling. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that hooks you in. Because the moment you get... There's a there's a programme called Sleepy Hollow. Yes, I, I, which, I know of it. Which is on Amazon Prime. I'm watching on Amazon Prime. First two seasons were pretty good. I got about four or five episodes into season three, and I was like, I could be watching something... 12, 100 times better than this. It, it just got flat. So I just stopped watching it because there are much better things. It's the same with films at the moment. Marvel is, is I think Marvel has reached a bit of a plateau, mm. but it's going to have to up its game because DC are doing its thing, Star Wars is coming up. We're going to go into another, like, we're going to go into a competition era where there's only so much money I can spend on going to see a film. So if you want me in to see that film, you better, make that better be while. you better be making my worth my while. But wrestling doesn't have that. But wrestling doesn't have that. No. So we are going through like an attitude era for those things where they're trying to push the boundaries. It's all secular, though, isn't it? So could we get another attitude era? I think we got like Lucha Underground creeping up mm. very very fast through the ranks, and I think that's that again. It's a very different product. You're not mm. talking about a wrestling show. You're talking about a soap opera. Mm. you know a wrestling soap opera that's what Lucha Underground is and it makes no mistake about it the entire seasons are based on storylines so does it in seasons yeah I've never seen it I've heard of it Lucha Underground starts in season one and then everything in season one you don't have to worry about the season two because season two is kind of like an extra sketch type thing and people die people die in in in, it's it's bizarre it's a wrestling show where people die well and characters die and get killed off and things like this it's it's I really want to see it. I've heard things about it's it. It's brilliant. It is. It is really, really good. I'm going to find it. On the and yes, line. it it looks low. It looks kind of low Rinking. budget in the end, yeah. and some of the acting is a little bit hammy. And some of the people in there are actors, yeah. you know, and, and some of them are wrestlers. But the fact is, is that it's brilliant. It's, it's captivating because you like, something different. Totally, totally. Because there was a massive thing like TNA Impact was going to be the big competitor, and. Somehow they've become. It got lost. It got lost. It didn't know what it was going to be. Again, somehow it's become a steaming car crash. They introduced Hogan and Bischoff. Exactly. They made the WCW mistake of relying on, oh, this is a known, this is a known product. People will want to come and see it, and they don't give a shit anymore. No. Unless it's Hogan humping his mate's wife, then no one cares. <laughs> oh, I love sponges, wife. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, what I, you I, gonna I, do, mother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. If I, Trump's I, gonna be president, I want Hogan as this sort of like you know. Uh, Hogan should be president. Hogan, no, well, no, I want if Trump's president, Hogan needs to be what do they call him, the defense minister of defense or whatever they call him, secretary yeah, yeah, of defense, secretary of defense, secretary yeah. of defense you know. Um, then he can just sort of like so. you know when the Middle East is sort of like, well, yeah. what's you know, he going to do yeah. when the largest <laughs> nuclear arms in the world <laughs> come right. crashing down on you? Twenty-two four inch. Yeah, twenty-two well, foot warheads. <laughs> well, the thing is, whenever like you know, not um, one of these uh, ISIS guys releases one of their videos when they're sat in a cave or in whatever, I want Hogan then to compete backwards. You know, wheel out Mean Gene. 
champion at this time, the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, readying for a title defense tonight against Hercules. And of course, Hulk, it happens on your own home turf here in Southern California. And thank God, Mean Gene, I've got my pump back, man. You know, the pythons are ready, the largest arms in the world. And I'm glad they are because I checked this dude, Hercules, out, man. He's got the body of a god. He even looks like the real Hercules, and he's definitely stronger, man. But I checked the dude out even farther. He could have been a Greek god. He could have been an immortal. And you know something, Mean Gene? Since he's guided by Bobby the Weasel Heenan, I've trained for the dude like he's an immortal brother. I've been hanging out in the Garden of Eden with my main squeeze Eve. I dove 20,000 leagues under the sea, 40 nights and 40 days. I hung and bung on the Titanic and Hercules. This is where the power lies. Just the point that I wanted to make. See, I think I, I still think Hulk Hogan would draw. Okay, I think Hulk Hogan. He does would draw. draw. He, he we back in the WWE. Of course, before he he's at yeah, you know, he got sacked for being a racist for a comment he made stupidly in private. He's look. The thing is, and I'm not going to defend him because he is a personally, I think he's a bit of a prick. Okay, but he is a draw, and he's a good worker, and he knows how to work a crowd. And I will never ever nothing he can do will tarnish the amount of Who work. Is? The amount of heat work he put into entertaining people for 30 years plus. Totally, totally. And I will say the same about others. You know, that p- their personal lives aside, they have given blood, sweat and tears to perform for Benoit. people. Benoit is another example. You know, I I think you, you can't condone what Benoit did or allegedly did. I don't think there's any alleged about it. I think well, it, was, you know, it was pretty you know, clear cut. I'm, I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. Is this one of those conspiracy theories? I just don't. Back into the left. I just think there's too many, too many things. I don't know enough. I, I don't know about it. I, I've looked at this so much. There's too many things that uh, that you look at and you just go, makes no sense. There's it well, sense. The whole the entire thing does make sense. But life doesn't always make sense. No, but I, I know, know what you mean. Know, but, but but you're right. I don't want to believe no, it, and I yeah. still, even all these years on, even though I put a cripple across space <laughs> within <laughs> within days. It was the same day. Yeah, it was the same day. We did a show on the same day, and you put me uh, in a, someone. Then, well, was it me or someone else? Oh, it was you. Yeah, a cripple across yeah, space. Cripple space on but, that day. But the point is, like I say, there are and there are others as well that have done <laughs> things in their personal lives that I mean, Kurt Angle is another example. Of, he, he's made all and, yeah, kinds of mistakes. He was a drug addict. Eddie Guerrero made enough mistakes, but always, always, you cannot. I will never hear a bad word about the, the amount of effort some of these guys put into and the, the sacrifices they've made to to perform. Um. So really, well, I think we should start looking to wrap this up. But the uh, Ooh. yeah the so really, what we're saying is that the attitude era for us is our wrestling period. Yeah. And I think it's 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 um it's the dream warriors of wrestling. It's that perfect combination. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. And I mean we you know, we might be biased in the fact that because of the way it influenced mm. our our lives. But when you look back on the, historically at wrestling, the attitude era is the era that people are going to be talking about many years to come. Yeah, yes. they'll talk about Hogan. Yeah. But they're not going to remember the 80s wrestling. They're not going to remember any of that. Because nothing there was remarkable that set precedence, you know. And no. You got a few moments like Hogan, you know, Andre, Andre, mm. but you're not really going to have the same impact of like, you know, the the excitement that the that the nineties had attitude yeah, yeah. era had. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, even to this day, even even wrestlers today mm. still talk about, you know, still talk about when these things happen, mm. you know, and the fact that. 
you can have a, a, some star from the Attitude Era turn up on Raw or SmackDown, and the crowd will pop hugely for that. Oh God, any yeah, I mean, like, I know they've only recently left, but you know, if Stone Cold was to walk down that ramp, if that glass was to shatter, hmm. Stone Cold was to walk down that ramp on Raw next week, unannounced, that crowd would erupt. Yeah, totally. Like, same, absolute same with the rock. rock. Same with the rock. Same with the rock. Roger drifts in, wins the championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drifts out. Ro- drifts in, pins someone. Uh, I've got a match, I've got a, sh- a film coming out next week. Yeah. So <laughs> fast, watch it. Fast, fast Eight is and coming out next go, week. goes, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, <laughs> we'll watch it. We love, so, we love you, Rock. So I was, I was, um, uh, I saw an interview with, uh, with Vin Diesel and uh, he was talking about the popularity of um, the Fast and the Furious franchise and he was sort of basically bigging himself up and saying oh yeah well we've built this franchise and it starts out as this and it's become this and people love it and i was thinking do you know when it became really good when the rock, when the rock joined in yeah. do you know who came to see your films fans all of, of the, the rocks rock. fans mm. that's i think mean, like, there's the people that wanted to see it and then there's the people that wanted to see the rock and i think it's yeah. the same he, he he yeah he's a massive draw he really is um and the same, like you know, there's there's others I think that have that, I think, yeah, there are others that I think have had their day, and if they'd walked, if Ric Flair was to walk down that same ramp mm. today, you'd get a, some woos and you'd get a bit of a pop, but not the same pop. Not the same. The Austins and the Rocks. And I think you could still do it ten years from now. I think they'd still get mm. the same thing. It's an era that will never du- be duplicated. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I, I I would love them to try. I'd love them to have that popularity in that again. I'd love to see it. I'd be, love, it'd be love amazing. Love to see it. But they'll find something else. There'll be something, you know. Twenty years from now, two people, you know, one fat one, one handsome one, will be sitting on their. Couch. Don't do yourself down. You're not that fat. <laughs> <laughs> talking about um, talking about an era in wrestling, which you know won't be the Attitude Era, but yeah. it will be an era of greatness. Yeah. I you agree. I, I don't know what that's going to be, and I'm eager to see it. And I hope they succeed. I hope, to, you know, I'm hoping my kids are going to be t- talking to their kids about wrestling and stuff like that. You know, we are going to wrap up very very soon. But one thing I will say is, in one of the things I think that is a legacy of the Attitude Era mm. and ECW and Extreme was Mad Mike. No, 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 we've met, we've mentioned that that basically, you know, you're you Not are just a plagiarist. you're basically a hundred pounds away from being Mick Foley. Yeah, I am. Uh, um, is UFC? I would actually say hmm. that as the WWF product became more family friendly, I think there's been the popularity in actual cage fighting, and I think a lot of the people that enjoy the Attitude Era and the extreme ECW wrestling just shifted over to basically real cage fighting. Yeah. Haven't seen a lot of KFC. Oh, KFC. KFC. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of yeah, yeah. Stick them two chickens in yeah, that cage yeah, yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Sanders would have been. To be fair, Colonel Sanders is probably a gimmick that was considered in 1988. Oh, so. probably. You know, everything was, wasn't it? The chicken farm. Colonel Sanders versus Sergeant Slaughter. That'd be brilliant. I'd do that. In a, yeah, Ronald McDonald versus Colonel yeah, Sanders in a chicken coop match. But you know, it's um, UFC. I've, I'm not mm. seeing a lot of UFC because I, I, it's interesting. I, I like because it's you it, like the theatrics. I like the theatrics. Mm. I like the storytelling. I agree. No, I, I'm, t- I'm with UFC, you 100. UFC is just let's rip each other's face off. 
Let's just just hit each other as hard as we yeah. can. And I, but I will say that I agree. Mm. I love the theatrics. I love the storytelling. As I've said, I love the vignettes and the whole the promos and stuff. Um, and I, I have watched quite a bit of UFC and stuff. And I, the t- the athletes are like double hard bastards. I wouldn't mess with any of them. Mm. Um, but you're right. There's so little theatrics involved that I do get like, oh, it's like boxing. I've never really, I with the Rocky films, if they were just to show a boxing match, I'd get really bored. If it didn't have the sort of like you know, mm. the music that went with it, all the all the, the editing, it'd, it'd be dull. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I just think that's something I think would people probably have me. I want to. I want to see a show. That's exactly. What I want to see, yeah, I want yeah, to see yeah. a show. It is a show. Yeah. You know. Okay. Right. I think we've we've done. Well, it's been nineties wrestling to, few, to to death. Yeah, <laughs> we really have. But um, I've really enjoyed talking about this actually. It's been fun, hasn't it? It's been easy. It's been a flow off the tongue kind yeah. of like show. It's all in there. It's all in there. Yeah, I know. Let's go. All them chair shots I took as well. It's just amazing that everything's <laughs> still there. But it's, it's it's kind of kind of strange though. I mean, that's that's the other thing. It's the fact of like one of the uh, one thing I will mention before we end if that's all right with you, mm-hmm. which I think is is something that we've missed completely. The the attitude stars that we've talked about like the stone Coast, like the rocks like the mankinds you mm. know these are all people who have had life-changing injuries because of that era as well oh god yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh you know mick foley with his chair shots and his concussions chris benoit with his, his concussions that he received yeah, you yeah. Know. stone cold broken stone neck cold, broken neck his knees are all shot you know <clears throat> uh, kurt angle broke mm. his neck in wrestling matches and carried on wrestling yeah the crazy ass you know T- yeah I, taz Tennis. Broke his neck. Broke his neck. Walked to hospital. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, this is a, this says everything about the attitude era. Yeah, you know, and it says that how legit it all was and what they did yeah. to actually entertain us yeah, during yeah. that era, and they still feel the prices of it today. When I was speaking to Mick Foley at Covent in uh, at Warwick, yeah, and uh, and I was saying to him, I said, well, what what what's your uh, What's your one regrets? Or I said something along the lines about regret about, you know, your time in wrestling. And he goes, the fact that I can't bend down to uh, tie up my own shoe. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, what? what? Really? Yeah. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. His body is a yeah, wreckage. I'm, I'm, well, even then it was a wreckage. I mean, if you get his biography. And that's what I will say. That's something that we'll see. You're right, is mm. there are so many. We've, we've touched on so many things. We've covered a very wide topic. But there are so many really, really good books hmm. to go out and, tr- and check out. I mean, there's so many documentaries as well. The WWE, you've got the WWE Network. But great network. It's great. I, I haven't got it, but I've heard really good things. Oh, but, you, you, should, you should invest. But I think one of my favourite books is um, Foley is Good. Oh, have, a nice oh. d- have a Nice Day, uh, the first Foley book. Hmm. Um, well, they're all good. They're all, all the Foley books are. All the Foley books are really good, but that's my fir- the first one's my favourite. Yeah, I've read Have a Nice it Day's good, times. Foley is good, <coughs> um, and the... Um, Hardcore Diaries. Hardcore Diaries. Hardcore Diaries is, is, is not as good as the other ones. No. That's pretty good. And the Countdown to Lockdown is just... Uh, it's, it's just... Don't, don't bother. Yeah. But the other ones I'd recommend, if you're going to go back and read them, the ones... Uh, I'll list off quick, quick, quick five I would really recommend. Um, Jericho. I was going to say, Jericho's first one. Totally. Jericho mm. is probably the. Uh, no, I got sorry, Mick, but Jericho's is the best book I've read. Yeah, I think it's called now. Is it Lionheart? Uh, yeah, Into the Lion's Den. Into the Lion's Den, the first one. Into the Lion's is amazing. Den. Um, spandex, my life in spandex. Yeah. 
and then it's the um, best in the world. I don't know what I have no idea. Yeah, but not the, that I'm a Jericho fan. No, yeah. Not that I'm a Jericho. I have to. Admit, I haven't read the other ones. I've only read the first one. Oh, oh man, but, uh, really? No, yeah. I, but I would recommend that first one. I would recommend that first one. Have you got like, the other two? No, I haven't. Right, I'll, I'll lend you. Okay, uh, so I would say that one. I would say Mick Foley's first one. If you're going to read just five, if you're going to read just five. Jericho's first one. Yeah. Mick Foley's first one. William Regal. William Regal's. Uh, yeah, Walking the Golden Mile. Mm. I've, I've got a signed copy of that somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, Bret Hart's. Bret Hart's is good. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I thought it was. I thought it's it was bit, it's a bit self-indulgent. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's good. It's interesting to see his yeah. mind. And um, Bobby Heenan's. It's very good. I was actually going to say Roddy Pipers. Roddy Pipers. Yeah. Is it the one I gave you? I actually gave. Did I give you one? I think I did. I gave you a copy. I gave it no. to you. Oh, yeah, you've got my. It was mine, but I gave it to you. But it's a great book, and it's oh, all. Okay. And that more covers off like the seventies. I've read it so much. Such a good book. It's actually wrecked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I read it. So but those times. are the ones I would say because they they cover yeah. so many periods. Yeah. Um, totally. And some 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 honourable mentions. I say Shawn Michaels. Uh, Shawn Never Michaels one. Austin's one's really really good. Um, I don't think I've read that one either. Actually. Actually, it's a really good copy. It's a really yeah. good book story, actually. Um, and one of the ones is, is the weirdest one, and I'm looking forward to him doing a proper one at some point. Is the Rocks? Oh, okay. Uh, the Rocks one is told completely. In, you've, you've read it, haven't you? You've yeah, got a copy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's told completely in character. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it's really weird. But it's quite interesting. I'm sure I mean, he will do a proper one at some point down the line. I'd imagine so. And, uh, I think it'll be quite entertaining, The Rocks. It will be. So, Jerry King Lawler's book's pretty good as well. Yeah, I've never read that one. Oh, Bobby Heenan's. Bobby I've read Bobby Heenan's. Yeah. Bobby Heenan's was very, very good. He's got he's a great book. He's got two, two out. I haven't read the second one, but mm. he's got two out. But Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper's is amazing. Great, great book. I would go back and read that again. That was an amazing book. I have to buy it again because my, yeah. my one's wrecked. It's upstairs, but it's wrecked. Um... Yeah, so seriously, there are so many ones, but the, the, but those are the ones that really stand out to me that I would go back to. Hmm. And I've re- the, the Jericho's without shadow. I will, I would, I'd like to go back and read the Jericho one actually, but the Jericho one, but the um, the Foley one, I've got a signed copy. I've got it signed. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The Foley one, so I, I need to get a new copy of that because I don't want to keep reading the signed copy because yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah, you say yeah. it's getting really tatty. I think I might have one for you actually. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. and then there's the the Stone Cold one. I've got a hardback edition. I've got a paperback edition just because I'm a complete gimp and I bought <laughs> both. <laughs> oh god, I'm the same with folio. Yeah, how, many, to be fair, yeah. how many different folio things have I got? Yeah. You know? So as you can see, we we do love it, and that is a really important area to us. It's really influenced us. Um, but I'm gonna we're gonna draw it to an end now. Actually, I think, um, cool. I think we're, this has been we've sat here for almost three hours now discussing this. Um, wow! So I want to say, please, if you want to make contact with us um, to discuss anything we've talked about in this show or in a previous show, or if you want to see either of us in Lycra, uh, please make contact. Um, Mike, how would how can people get in contact with you? Um, well, they can uh, email. At uh, they can email manofletters at mikeandrewkennedy.com mm-hmm. uh, if they want to they can do it through that or they can contact me through you I guess yeah or you're on Twitter and on yeah, Facebook I don't know what they are though I don't, cause I don't... well you're uh, on uh, Twitter <laughs> yeah, you're see, at... I'm useless now. I have no idea I you don't do that side t- of my business so <laughs> on Twitter you are at manofletters um, I'm actually going to check so now. manofletters MK something like that I'm going to check uh, and you're on Facebook, and yeah, Facebook, Facebook just, just search Man of Letters. Man of Letters, search Man of Letters on Facebook, and uh, I'm on, uh, I'm on and, there too. Uh, and also as well, we we will be doing, and we will be documenting, at some juncture, we will be doing five more matches. We've 
we've been talking about this for years, but we are going to, in 2017, we are going to do five more matches. So five Jumble versus Mad Mike matches. And we will document them and we will present them on our shows. Yeah, totally. So I'm just going to, okay, so it is at, uh, at Man of Letters MK on Twitter. There we are. Uh, also, in that case, please check out Mike's podcast. Yep. Man of Letters, uh, Man of Letters podcast. Go onto iTunes, just type in Man of Letters. Not a Man of Letters. That's another great podcast, but it's actually just called Man of Letters. There's a picture of me on a like a blue avatar, sitting there looking handsome. Um, so yeah, look at that. It's it's a funny um, adult themes, mm-hmm. adult themed comedy pod- podcast without any explicit expletives. I don't really do. It's not much swearing. It, no, think. not really. No, it's the, I no. don't sit, I don't do the f bomb at all. Anyway. No. No. So. so yeah, please check it out. It's a fantastic show. Uh, and uh, I'm on uh, one of the upcoming up and coming episodes. So You're on the next one. You're on the one, one. That's, one that's on Monday. Okay. Which would probably already be I don't know when you've been Yeah. You were on the one that was on the, it was on about three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's 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 he's on a couple, yeah. he's on a few. So if you want to get in contact with me, I'm on Twitter uh, at twentieth century geek. Uh I'm also if you want to contact me, it's twentieth uh, century geek at gmail dot com. And I say I'm on Facebook. Uh please look for uh Clifford Alvarez or 20th Century Geek um, so thank you very much uh, and just one thing so this has been the November theme has been our wrestling next month is December okay and I'm going to give a quick taste is uh, we did the holly, whole Halloween horror thing which was I think was a bit atypical it was very it was good fun I really enjoyed it but it was it was very standard we're not going to do Christmas films Oh, okay. I'll ask my, uh, I was um, just about to yeah. jump in there and say it must be a Christmas film. Well, we? we could have done Christmas films, you okay. know, standard. We could have done what I consider to be, you know, the anti-Christmas films, like Gremlins or Die Hard or those sort of things. Mm, that people Die Hard is a great Christmas film. It is a good film. But I wanted to go one step further than that. So we're going to do what I'm calling the theme is going to be called, it's going to be called The Black Christmas. And by black, I mean Shane Black. So right. we're going to be talking about Shane Black, who has a sl- strange fixation with Christmas, uh, and we're going to discuss the four films he's written and directed, or written and contributed to, that are set at Christmas. That's Lethal Weapon. Right. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, great film. Uh, the Last Boy Scout. Oh, my gosh. And slightly out of the 20th century, but I'm going to stick with it, is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. The only only one I haven't seen, which is it's an amazing film, and it's uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s sort of return before Iron Man, so mm. <clears throat> well worth a look. So I'm really looking forward to getting into those right, for I'm the Christmas to, season. I'm have to buy these. I don't think I own any of these. Okay, well I've got some of them, so you can borrow my copies. Okay, cool. Uh, so thank you very much, no and uh, it's been good fun, and I'll see. Well, hopefully you'll hear from us uh, in December. Thanks very much.